Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast from Castle Country. It's February 13th. It's a Tuesday, the day before Valentine's Day, 2018. That's Ian Ferguson. I, I am. Uh, I'm Pat Country. We, yes, we are doing the soft launch of the podcast here in Castle Country. Ian, what, what do you think of the place so far? I didn't give you the grand tour yet. No. Um, it's nice. I like the floors. I like the wood on the floors. I love wooden floors. You like the laminate? It's mostly wood. It's an engineered wood. It's wood. It's it's real. Well, it looks goddamn good enough to me, Pat. Is, is it turning on the wood? The wood's giving you wood? A little bit, maybe. <laughs> That's what you're living for this Screwing Valentine's on day. a cabin floor. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> on this show, besides wood floors, we'll be talking about <laughs> the Nolan Bushnell GDC controversy, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite not being played anywhere professionally, apparently. Uh, we're talking about AAA games. Should they cost 60 bucks? We might have a surprise comeback sale of the week. Uh, Billy Mitchell with more Twin Galaxies controversy that we kind of predicted. Scrub. The Venom trailer and your Q&A. Ian, have you been in a better mood lately? You seem like you're pretty good today. No? Oh, it was really bad this morning, but I think just sitting here calmly. Is this a calm environment for you? No, not it's, right now. It's not. No, just breathing, though. You know, waiting. Just breathing? Yeah. Do you, do you like the, the half moon I do. table here? I like it a lot. So, I, like, I like this setup. So for those out there, this is the temporary setup. So we're gonna I'm gonna have a, a table made at some point. But for now this isn't bad. And this is just I mocked this together in an hour here, but eventually this is gonna be good. So if you guys if you're listening to this, we are inside my game room slash studio at Castle Country. It's a house. It's a house, but it's Castle Country. Because <laughs> come on, it works. So the game shelves are across the room. And we're going to have the computer station behind me where I'll be streaming eventually, maybe with Ian sometimes. And then, or we could probably even stream from here, do a two man streaming operation. And so, this is basically the next evolution. Oh, rest in peace, Lenny. <laughs> but um, this, is, this is what the goal was to get to this point. And the place is a mess still. I have to. Set up the game room shelves, Ian, by tomorrow because I might have a photographer coming over for a special purpose that I can't announce right now. And, uh, yes, we have Mario spying on you uh, behind your right shoulder. Mm-hmm. But um, this is this is cool. And then, you know, we can do potentially the next marathon here in the den, the cool den. So it'll, it'll be great. The den. You see the den? Yeah, I'll give you the tour later. Yeah, I'll see it when we leave. Before I, before I, I you know, I drive home. But slowly but surely, I've been getting back to normalcy, though. But it's been rough well but we're getting there it'll get there we're gonna get there while i look at the mylon secret castle complete in box in that sterile container along with other 30 other nes games in the box i don't need potentially (laughs) 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 oh i I need need that top secret episode sealed yeah i need that one but uh 
Oh, I have some city in the box. Oh, nice. Star Fox. Okay, sorry. I'm getting distracted. I'm, yeah. I, maybe I'll relearn to appreciate the games I have as I put them back on the shelves. <laughs> well, that's kind of... I mean, that's a, that's a little secret hope I have for you. Oh, it's not so secret anymore, though, is it? No. Not, not so much. No, it's not. So like I said, again, guys, uh, stick with us. We are slowly getting to a point where we're going to be doing this more professionally. We have stuff to announce on the Patreon. By the next podcast, we'll have those announced. Uh, for the patreon.com slash CU podcast. And uh, yeah, I think this is, I just feel more professional here. I just feel like we know what we're doing a little bit more. No, the environment isn't changing that. No, not yet. I mean, it's just, it's nice to have a change of environment though. It's nice to, it's nice to be free from uh, Spike potentially attacking us while, while we broadcast. Kind of miss him. You're going to miss Spike. <laughs> I'll visit Spike. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll visit him. So anything, anything else that's going on in your life lately? No, just working more than no, usual. No Valentine's Day? Oh, yeah. I mean, there is. I, every year um, uh, uh, we order a pizza from the East Coast and have it shipped here. There's a place in Buffalo called Bocce's Pizza. Best fucking pizza. Like, spelled the same as like Bocce Ball? Yeah, exactly. B-O-C-C-E, is yep. that? Dino's Bocce Club Pizza. Okay. Um, I'm assuming Dino was a nice Italian man who played a lot of bocce and then made his friends pizza. That's what I'm going to guess. I mean, that's just his name. That's so funny. I was, I was like watching, not, not the, the stereotype, but I was watching all the murders from the Soprano season in a whole YouTube uh, hour, 15-minute clip uh, yesterday. I was like, wow. I'm not sure. I was in a dark space last night, apparently, before I went to sleep. I Instead always am. I should have watched Forensic Files and said, at least you get justice out of that, those deaths. Yeah, true. The Sopranos is just pointless and needless and you know, kind of weird. But <laughs> so, so, so bocce's you can they, the pizza is so popular there that they will ship nationwide, and you you order the pizza, and uh, the day before they ship it out, they make it and they half bake it, they cut it into two halves, foil wrap each half, stack the two halves on top of each other, put it in an actual bocce's pizza half pizza box, and then just packing tape up all the corners and possible holes, slap a shipping label right on the top of the pizza box, and mail it to you overnight. So all right, it's it's amusing when you get it. You can have some good pizza. You can make out afterwards and share some cheese breath. Yeah, it, it sounds like a great time. It's gonna be good. I'll be spending it probably. I don't know, putting games on shelves, which is, could be just as romantic. I might make out with a, a sealed N sixty four copy of Majora's Mask I have laying around somewhere. Try drugs. No, 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 no. no it's Ocarina of Time. I, I I have that that special. That special goodie you gave me a while back. It's legal now. <laughs> well, I don't know what to call it. It's a, like a lifesaver, but it'll get me high. I don't know. It's an edible gummy ring. Yeah. 20 milligrams. 20 milligrams? Two yep. cc's? <laughs> <laughs> Two cc's of pot. Ian, this was a topic that uh, we thought would be interesting because we just want to talk about being Nintendo fanboys, gigantic ones. We just don't want to talk about what's going on with the Switch and the massive sales you know, of the year, but the best selling games of the year. Yeah. So sometimes these reports come out late. Um, and this, well, we missed this one, but these come out a little bit late because of the sales figures. Um, they take a little bit while to calculate them, but the 10 best games of 2017. And if there were any surprises or anything like that, and just to run down the list real quick before making any comments on it, um, call of duty world war two was the number one selling game. Uh, NBA 2K18 was two. Destiny 2 was three. Not including digital PC sales for some reason. Digital or, yeah, digital or PC. PC digital. No, just PC digital. Oh, okay. With two stars. Uh, Madden NFL 18, 
Breath of the Wild. Without including digital. No digital. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V. We'll get to that in a second. Um, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands, which Pat wanted to play, but I don't think he did. Um, Star Wars. I'm sorry, no, I, I no, had no time. I, I just I remember that was the one you wanted to play. I'm constructing Castle Country. Moats. Um, Star Wars Battlefront 2, not including PC digital sales. Super Mario Odyssey, not including regular digital sales. And Mario Kart 8, not including digital sales. So, a couple things probably jump out for a, a few people here. Um, one, you know, just because people assume it from us, we might as well start with it. It's a good amount of Nintendo stuff on there for top-selling games of 2017. Out of 10, you've got three spots held by Nintendo. Um, you have three, and one is number five, and you have to take in consideration that these aren't multi-console platform releases. Right, exactly. And and even though the Switch has been selling incredibly well, um, there's there were simply not that many units out there to really allow for a much higher sell-through. For the um, first for, for the first few months before they before you got to Mario Kart Eight Deluxe being released, you couldn't find it at all. Oh, I'm just Switch. saying though. But in general, if you compare something like the amount of Switch units out there and then Breath of the Wild compared to, well, it's not even a good comparison. But the amount of consoles out there that you you're can talking play, attach rate, yeah, attach rate, yeah, the attach rate's insane for all these Switch titles. Absolutely, because and no the one install has it base. I mean, there's still yeah. not a huge the the, the install that's selling rapidly, but the install base has not had a chance to the to to. No, which we'll get to up. the switches that have yeah. sold, but yeah, this, this isn't a mature console like so, the other. That's what. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Remarkable, you would say about it. Are you surprised that number one was the World War Two Call of Duty? I actually was surprised um, to see Call people of... want people want to kill with old machine guns, not the new stuff. I think. <laughs> I think you know with. Call of Duty World War Two and Activision, you know, there was some outcry at first. I think uh, from people because they're like, "Oh, we don't want to go back to World War Two." There's been a billion World War Two shooters, and and yes, there has three billion. But they, I mean, they they did two smart and safe moves. I think one, there hasn't been one in long enough time that people might see it as something unique to see on a next gen or a current generation system. Can't sure. say next gen anymore. Um, two, after trying to bust out of the war bubble further than they did with modern warfare, which was which had a crazy storyline to begin or, with, or but if, with advanced warfare and, and then, infinite yeah, warfare, they, they progressed too quickly. There. Yeah, it's like all right, we're going a few years in the future. Now we're going a hundred years into the future. Just about, and it's like they lost a lot of people, I think, doing that. So by going back to what too they, hard, yeah, going back to what they knew, World War Two. Nazi zombies, knives, bayonets, machine guns, t- Tommy guns, regular old, uh, you know. None of it is fresh, but it looks fresh to the player who's been playing Call of Duty for so long. Because we had Modern Warfare 1, 2, 3, the Black Ops games. You had Ghosts. You had Advanced Warfare. You had Infinite Warfare. It really has been a long time since they've seen something like this. So for the, for this generation, it's new. Right. You have to keep in mind that there are now people playing this game who probably weren't around when the first, you know, three Call of Duties and Special Editions were World War Twos. When did when did Battlefield One come out again? Was that last year or late two thousand sixteen? That was um that was twenty sixteen. Okay. I would love to see. Well, I definitely. Well, I'm just gonna look that up. So I'm kind of surprised that's not on that list still. Battlefield One. When did that come out? That came out 
in October 21st, 2016. Okay, so okay. most of the sales are probably then, so that's why. I would have been interested to see both at the same time, though, just to see how they would have stacked up against each other. You know, but, you know, it is what it is. Maybe people bought both. Maybe people played that for a few months, and then they went into that. Yeah. There's you know. two others that I would comment on here. Oh, would you, Ian? We know we have a podcasting studio being constructed. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront <laughs> 2. Um, that was a packing game for, I know for sure, for a lot of PlayStation 4 holiday bundles. Oh, they, oh, they had a bundle? Yeah. With, like, Vader on the front? And if you would fact check me, I, I think they did one with, with, um, with Xbox One as well where the game was packed in. Battlefront 2 bundle. Right. So, I want to say that that probably helped boost... PlayStation 4 Pro, 4 Pro, 1 terabyte Star Wars Battlefront 2 Limited Edition one. Uh, was there an Xbox one as well? If there was, you're right. Because if you're buying that for your kid, why not get the bundle? Right. I mean, why not do that? So, they're they're counting that, which you, you have to for that. It's not like Wii Sports. You're buying it partially for that game, you know? So... um. I'm surprised to see it as high on the list after all the people, you know... I'm not. ...complained. But that's because a lot of people will complain and still immediately turn around and go buy something. Or not everyone who complains online is buying it. Sure. It's it's the Vulcan minority of people. On, not everyone's on social media yelling about shit. We have, yeah. Some people have jobs and stuff to do besides writing long-ass letters and going on Reddit. Not, not to put the people down, but some people have more stuff to do. They'll be like, yeah, not a big deal. I'm going to buy it. I mean, sure. that's the reality. We we forget sometimes that just because we are into this form of communication... Not everyone is as hardcore as is. thou. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it, I have seen Star Wars Battlefront 2 come rolling into the store at a pretty steady pace already. Oh, literally, they just chuck it down and it just kind of tumbles yeah, in. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> how that works. Um, but, I mean, I, I even had a guy who came in... With the copy unopened, and he was like, yeah, it came with my PlayStation. I don't want it. I just want a different game. <laughs> I was like, okay. He's like, I've just heard too much bad news about it. I don't want to try it. And I was like, eh, if it was given to me for free, I'd probably try it. But Sure. I'm, I'm just going to go through a couple of things that really surprised me. I'm not surprised that Madden makes the list, obviously. I'm kind of shocked that 2K18 is at number two. I'm not. It's been eight. I know, I know basketball the last few years has gotten way more popular in general, or a lot more popular. It's the fastest-growing sport. Now, I'm just surprised that the install base for that is would be higher than Madden. It's know. crazy. Uh, from from where I sit at the store, we get more calls for NBA 2K these days than we ever do from Madden, and that's both locations. Um, you is know, there better? Is it just better career? I know that they have like career modes and things like that, and they do. I mean, people are saying that a lot of too much of it is tied to virtual currency now, but. When it comes down to it, I think 2K, 2K, NBA 2K just became the sports game around, I want to say, 2K13. It just became like, okay, this is Madden, but this is a lot more fun to play. Maybe. This is our new Madden. And, they they and, update it better every year versus Madden, maybe? And even though because of people selling stuff early and stuff like that, we don't really bother with copies of Madden or, or NBA 2K anymore on, on release day, or if we do, it's just a couple. Sure. Um we get far more phone calls for NBA 2K early on release day than that. It's It seems like everyone just ignores Madden. Or 
no one or Madden's just a foregone conclusion and people pre-order this shit on their PS4 and or their Xbox One and it's just there for them on game day. Madden, the foregone conclusion limited edition. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm not shocked because I mean hell, if I want to play a modern game like Ghost Recon Wildlands, it must be special if it gets my attention, right, Ian? If like if I <laughs> wanna play yeah. it, I mean let's be honest. So I'm not shocked about that, and from what I hear it's really fun, especially when you're playing with other people. I'm sort uh, of shocked just because i I don't hear anything about it, but well, I mean it it moves when it's in the store. I think it was a very unique looking game in terms of what it provided, where team based, four people, open world, you can do objectives the way you want with your friends. That is very interesting to me. Sure. From what I've heard. Uh GTA five still on the list. So Wow. I a couple of years ago was it two and a half years ago already? I can't look, look it up. Look her up. All right, Ian. You got a computer too, but uh, uh, your your wish is my command. Grand Theft Auto. 5. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm your fucking pawn. 2000, 2013. It's been f- over four years. Yes, that's why I I wanted to double check that. It's been a long time. Grand Theft Auto Five. I just don't think will ever stop being popular. I I don't know. I mean, the online is is robust. The online they keep releasing stuff for it. Exactly, they keep releasing stuff for online. The online is robust. I I, I haven't played Grand Theft Auto Five. That's insane to me. That's still four years in. But from the way people talk, and with the fact that they they continue to support it, Rockstar does. It just kind of seems like you may have hit this sort of zenith with the. With the series to the point where they're, I mean, Rockstar's probably like, well, we've got ideas on how we could do this better, but we're well, going to let this run. If this is going to continue to make us money, why bother? Well, they come out with that once every four or five years, a GTA game. So six is probably in development. You would think it's been sure. in development for, yeah, I mean, four these came, games take four years to make these yeah, GTA games. Four came out around the beginning of the 360 PS3 and then five was around the end. Sure. So. And, and that's the, actually longer than. And then I, I'm guessing with the new consoles, it probably looks a little bit better with the HDR and upscaling. They added some stuff. I think they added like a first-person mode and yeah, upscaling. Okay, so we got all the non-Nintendo stuff out of the way, but we're, since we're fanboys, we have to address <laughs> Mario Kart 8, Super Mario Odyssey, and of course Breath of the Wild. And Breath of the Wild was the first one and basically helped sell the console. Like we said, bridge the gap until middle of the year when you had stuff like Splatoon 2 come out and then Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and then you're off and running and then the, and then it's actually stocked in stores because when Mario Kart 8 Deluxe came out that's when I actually found the Switch finally in the store sure. and now you can find one regularly for the most part and with the holidays it kind of proved it because now they've already sold more Nintendo Switch consoles than we use yeah in less than a year in nine months <laughs> which is insane yeah it's, it's funny um, but alongside that if you own a Switch Almost because of the attach rates, more than half of the people, I think, if it looked, last time I looked it up, was like, have definitely more than half have Breath of the Wild. And then. Well, for a long time there, I mean, it's not an The attach rate was 100%. Person. It was over 100%. Because people just bought because it. Because people me. like you who bought it knowing that they were going to get a Switch at some yeah, point. Yeah, I got 12 bucks off on Amazon, of course. And then uh, Odyssey, obviously, is, is the fact that Odyssey, Odyssey makes the list and that came out only a, a October, few months ago. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. So I mean, they're only looking at sales of December, December, November, half of October, right? half of October. Was, if. It half? was it end of October? Yeah. So that's remarkable, but it just shows that yeah, we want these titles. Now I've seen commentary saying that well, Nintendo might have blown their wad on their first party games because of these two. I don't think so. I, I think that not that Metroid Prime Four is going to match an Odyssey, but that'll that'll help boost it a lot when that comes out probably like next year. 
uh, potentially. You still have a Smash Brothers game to come out. You still have a Star Fox game to come out. You still probably have an F-Zero game to come out. And that's just first party, not even including third party that right. are coming out. And what was the, other, the other thing I saw was that already there's more Switch games that exist than Wii U, putting everything together with independent titles. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So, so already the library is more robust when you're in. If you put in everything together with third party in the... And first party. Well, the people who are complaining about, you know, Nintendo already blowing their load with these games, it's like, well, if they didn't put these out, then you'd say that they weren't presenting a strong enough. Yeah. For I mean, they're, they're, you're, you're not going to win with that argument. Yeah. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you don't. Um, so. Oh, you're going to have another Mario Kart besides the Deluxe. Yeah, I don't yeah. expect to see that until much further a few down years. the line. Yeah, at least three, four years. But uh, yeah, Mario Kart 8's not going to be the only Mario Kart on this system. No, but for many people, it's the first one. They're going to sell more uh, of those than the Wii U one. Yeah. Absolutely. By probably two or three times. So it, it makes sense to re-release it, obviously, and it helped. Hell, I, I bought it again. I haven't played it yet, but I bought it again. Damn you, Amazon, giving 20% off. <laughs> Damn you. Uh, so again, this is an interesting list. I was surprised to see 2K18 up at number two, not top down. Destiny 2, we didn't talk about. Destiny is obviously a huge game that I don't understand the, the big deal over, but I'm not into that stuff. So, anyway. Just play Monster Hunter. Just play Monster Hunter instead? Or is that going to make the, that might make the list for 2018? Uh, uh, it's, it's absolutely going to make that list at six. Just a quick side note here. Six million units already sold. Fastest selling Capcom game ever. That's nuts. Ever. Oh, by the way, the caveat again for these three Nintendo titles, no digital sales are included. Yeah. So who the hell knows how much higher they could have been, especially Breath of the Wild. That could be maybe a couple spots up. We don't know. Could be. Maybe it could have surpassed Madden. That would have been nuts, right? More <laughs> Breath of the Wild than <laughs> The dude bros are, are, are going to be mad at, at that one. Uh, so this, this uh, happened, this event happened, this controversial, controversial event happened like right after the last podcast. With Nolan Bushnell uh, being invited to GDC this year to be presented with you know a lifetime you know achievement award, and there was a uh, a lot of backlash to that. There was a hashtag saying "Not Nolan" uh, because they didn't want in this environment Nolan Bushnell to be given any sort of uh, recognition at GDC, especially in the climate we are right now with uh, the sexual misconduct and harassment issues in Hollywood, the Me Too hashtag movement, and everyone uh, in Hollywood being outed as, as pieces of trash. So on the back of that, this is came, coming into the gaming environment right. with, with Nolan Bushnell. So they invited him in there, the Game Developers Conference, that they would give his annual Pioneer Award to, he was a co-founder, Bushnell, who was there from the beginning with Pong, and, he, and then he helped with the 2600, he sold it to, to Warner in 76. They got the money. The 2600 comes out as a VCS in 77. Helps revolutionize the home console market. Atari becomes a big name. Now they're garbage, but before they were great. The whole point is this, though. Bushnell had a lot to do with that, running that company well in the first five or six years before he stepped aside. Um, he also did uh, uh, Chuck E. Cheese when it was what, Showtime Theater? Uh, Showtime Pizza. Showtime Pizza. So he's done a lot for... The industry, in he he's he's worthy of getting a video game developer award lifetime achievement. I think not many people would argue that sensibly would argue that. So the argument against him receiving this award though became 
people looking back at the past of Atari and their working environment. And it's famous. I, I mean, we knew it. Like one of the most famous, whenever you see Nolan Bushnell announced for any sort of conference or past expos, they would use a picture of him in a hot tub with a cigar. Sure. Like that's an image in your head. And that's what people came to uh, associate Atari with in the 70s environment was their sort of free-loving 70s uh, era work environment where it's like, oh, we have parties, free sex and free love. And a lot of that came from Bushnell himself talking about that over the years and him explaining this is how it was back then. Not being ashamed of it, just this is how this is how we did business. So that became an outcry in the environment saying, well, maybe that's not proper for this point in time for him to be rep- representative at GDC to receive this Pioneer Award. Maybe this isn't the right time for that. At least that's what I saw. So uh, uh, Nolan to put out a statement saying uh, he basically understood. And he had he said that uh, da, 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 he, he did a statement here. I do not think exploiting these kinds of issues through a finite 40-year-old prism offers a productive reflection of our company. Instead, I would refer you to the thoughts and comments of the scores of former employees. That's when Kotaku asked him to comment. But he basically, before that, put out a pretty sensible statement. It's like, if you're, you know, if, it was if you along the same lines. If you don't want to honor me, I totally understand. We're in a different space and time right now, and you know, it, it is what it is. And you know, So Kotaku mentioned an article, put out an article. This is one of the best articles I've ever read on Kotaku. Um, this was I mean, done by Anastasia Cecilia de Anastasia. Yeah, Cecilia de Anastasia. She also Sex... did an interesting article on um, uh, the Wii U's afterlife. So she's, this article good. is called "Sex Pong and Pioneers: What Atari Was Really Like According to Women Who Were There." And she reached out and interviewed, uh, I think, at least a dozen women that worked at Atari in the seventies, yep. which is very fascinating. So you you have people who worked back then people who started off very young people that worked their way up different you know some people were making minimum wage or close to other people were in different aspects and they commented on a lot of stuff they talked about the the environment they talked about the hot tub some it was every other day men only hot tub women and friday Friday co-ed friday co-ed they said yeah people dated freely people asked asked you to, to date and some co-workers dated some people didn't there was there was a little allegations in here that Maybe some Atari employees were participated in a, in, a, in a porno, perhaps, in the 70s. Right. <laughs> so that's how Atari was in the free-loving California 70s. Right. So what's interesting about this story to me, though, is that she reached out. Because a lot of times when you hear people getting upset for others, you don't hear from the original people associated with these stories. They don't comment. Here you have a chance for the women to comment on it. And some seemed like they're like, yeah, for the time, you know, it was what it was. I was comfortable with it. One woman said she wasn't comfortable with some of it. You have a range of people. One woman said she helped design the hot tub area, which I thought was pretty funny. It's like, hey, I helped design the hot one tub One helped area. design the hot tub area. <laughs> one helped uh, design the volleyball court. Yeah, they played uh, volleyball. Um, when they when they were moving. One for, one really said that there was sexual objectification, but it was by both men and women that were doing it. That's actually something I wanted to touch on. Too. So, so when you're looking back, what Nolan Bushnell was referring to like the prism of the time he he to his credit he sort of understands that yeah maybe in this environment i i'm not comfortable with people giving me an award but that to me at least personally i, I of course you still you have to honor the man's achievements we wouldn't potentially be where we are in the industry without him um but it, it's this is a very t- 
to me a very complex issue. I, I implore everyone to, to read this article Complex. at Kotaku. I feel like I'm rambling. I don't think I'm trying to tiptoe in a minefield here. Uh, but this guy did a lot for the industry. And I don't think this is a black and white issue at all. And I'll, I'll turn it over to you. And we'll see where well, going. I don't think it's black and white either. I, I don't necessarily disagree with GDC maybe not wanting to give them the award right now. I don't know that. <sighs> I think GDC looks stupid for not realizing they could have had a backlash to this stuff or not or not realizing this existed. Oh sure. I think I think maybe it should have been thought through prior to announcement and then cancellation. But I understand not wanting to bring to light this sort of workspace in an era where we're trying to get to the point where workspaces are more professional, um, where people feel more comfortable. That said, I don't necessarily know that in this microcosm instance, it was necessarily all bad. Um, you want me to say this quote right here? What which quote? This is from Lonnie Reader, who worked at Atari for two years and co-founded a company with Bushnell. She said, "It's drive-by assassination. I think there's an element of telephone being played. Every day was not a wet T-shirt contest. There's a collective anger amongst us toward the individuals who made this a big deal." So she's referring to those at Atari from back then, are saying, "What the fuck are you talking about? We." you're being way more offended than we were potentially when we worked there. Problem is with that is if you're going to rest on stories of hot tubs and decadence, and that's what you're going to constantly push out, promote and talk about to make working at a place look cool for so long, it's going to be blown way out of proportion. Sh even oh, if absolutely. that's not what it is. Like I said, that Bushnell so picture, I, I don't yeah. have a whole lot of sympathy for the image being blown out of proportion if you purposely blow that image out of proportion yourself. But is it fair to conflate that with your achievements and, and to, to denigrate potentially your achievements and to say, like, well, this guy was horrible. And it's like, well, he, from what I see from the stories from a dozen people, it's like, well, no one didn't seem like he did anything really, uh, nothing illegal from what it seems like at the time. It's just like, like if you if, obviously, if you were transported now, 2018, Back then, you'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" But that was in a that was everywhere, though, and that's not to, that's not to excuse it all. But I'm just watching. It's funny. I got back into Mad Men recently, right? And that's half of the plots is like uh, people of other races and women being shit upon in the '60s in New York City, right? Because that's how it was, you know. But it seems like for the time, though, Atari was very, very progressive. No, it does, and that's that is true. It it, it really it, you have to. Think about the time, think about their mindset, and what level men and women considered themselves on within any sort of development community. But GDC is not only about game development and conference, but also it, it, it's actively involved in trying to improve the workplace for women, for minorities. This is not necessarily what we're fighting against now but it's easy to conflate those two and then also i'm not trying to say anything about nolan bushnell's achievements he deserves some recognition for them but that would have been a weird venue to do it look this is this is how i have to kind of put this um because they even said the the, the ladies even say that you know this was empowering you know for a lot of them because i mean Y'all get together. This is a club. This is a starting business, you know, and everyone can probably rib, throw jokes, take shots at each other. 
anyone who worked in the restaurant industry can probably read this article and go, holy shit, I worked in that environment. Sure. Free, free wheeling, sex happening behind the cheese cheeses that are in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Smoking blunts behind the dumpster, having sex in the fucking storage rooms. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that does occur in certain business places, and a lot of people... It, it fosters it more. It, fo it yeah. fosters it. And, yeah. you know, from where I was in, in a restaurant, uh, a certain one, for like three of the seven years I was there, that's just how it ran. And the objectification that, you know, you mentioned earlier about this going both ways, it was very much how it worked at the restaurants. The women objectified the men and the men objectified the women and everyone went out to drink at night and fucked it and everyone was fine and friends the next morning. Sure. But that's not... But just because you can have that you don't sort want, of... You don't want to put that on front street at GDC. That's yeah. basically what they want to do. Yeah. And, and, and just because you can have that sort of workplace, it doesn't mean that that's exactly the sort of workplace... Just because you can see that happen at a place like Atari or at a restaurant and have it work well enough, there's two things. One, you don't necessarily want that to be... You don't want that to be a workspace everywhere. And two, what you're not seeing and what um, she touches on in this article, um, but I, I can also touch on is, while there were lots of people who had fun, um, men and women, I, I, I know lots of women who dominated the floor at various restaurants um, oh sure both in terms of sexually and in you know just presence wise and it was great they're but, the queen bees of the of yeah and they would slap around the cooks and i mean it was great but you know it, it also i could present you if asked and put on the spot there are people that didn't like it right well you know Hey, give me some examples of people I could talk to about, you know, your time at working at XXXXX. Sure. And I could think of all my friends and present them and they'd be like, yeah, there was some bad times. There was some good times, but overall it was a really fun experience. But, you know, sure, there was some sexual harassment and it, may, you know, and it may have been. Oh, sure. Right. Okay. So there's that. But those people are my friends and I can present them to you because they're already pretty okay with the situation. What we're not hearing are the people who quit the restaurant I worked at after a month because they didn't like that, you know, because they couldn't, they, they never got to fit in with the gang. I, There's probably people at Atari, women at Atari who hated that. Absolutely. Li that lifestyle but and, in that time off. though, that was the norm. So it's, if you worked at any corporation for the most part, it, it, again, go back to man, man, you had the ass slapping the, the secretary culture and stuff. So that was almost, it sounds like they talked to some women that said like, it was worse at other places that they worked at. No, they come I mean, to Atari she, she and it was did better. Say that. She said well, no, she said after she left Atari, she almost quit one of her jobs and when asked, she was like, or Well, left where the, I yeah. where I come from, they were nice and you know, where I'm at now, you guys are mean. So the argument the, the, I have two arguments here. And there's there's one great little anecdote from a a French uh, girl named Muriel Chevalier who went there and she was only uh she came from uh Paris and then she came and she said this was great. I got promoted quickly. Um, said it was quite different from the companies she was used to working with in France uh, as well. Um, she said the clients that she's with, they're very chauvinistic. Um, but there she said, I went from assistant to credit manager at Atari. After three months, she was the divisions director. She got oh, yeah. put up the chain. And it, so it sounded like that's what Atari was like, equal opportunity. It's like, yeah, this is the 70s, free love, uh, f feminist movement and kicked in high gear. 
And this is what it was. So again, GDC either should have done their homework better, in my opinion, because they pretty much embarrassed, put uh, Bushnell in a situation to be embarrassed. He didn't need to be. They actually did not need to be. Right. That I can agree. I mean, the whole situation could have been avoided. Absolutely. And so while there's still elements of bad behavior still in workplaces today, absolutely, I I think... Yeah, I, I I know. It's like I said, it's very strange. I understand it's it's up to GDC whether or not they want to rescind any sort of award to someone. But I hope this doesn't now carry with Bushnell for the rest of his life, where now if people bring him up, it's like, well, there was some bad shit going on in Atari in the seventies and it's like all right. That's that's what his legacy is gonna be now, is that you know, you, you hope not. I don't think that's gonna be his legacy. I mean, my final statements on this would be I understand in the current environment GDC perhaps not wanting to bring light to the sort of workplace that they are in these days it could look similar but is probably very different actually than what it was back then. Two, I think Bushnell deserves to be acknowledged for his achievements but it's I don't know I as much as I can talk about time in restaurants, as much as these people probably really enjoyed their time at Atari. I also have a real tough time, like personally lately, but I I don't think that these are necessarily things that should be glorified because of their ability to go wrong in so many situations. Absolutely, but that's not why GDC was going to honor the guy. They're not going to say, well, we honor you because you had an Atari-themed hot tub. That's not why he was going to be honored. No, but I'm just saying that that would have come out and perhaps they didn't want that stuff to come out. I was going to leave with this. Compared to, it sounds like from these women's stories uh, and from everyone else, it sounds like Atari was a lot more progressive than other places at the time. Absolutely. We talk about Centipede and Donna Bailey recognized as one of the first major uh, female game developers. That's Atari she as was, well. She like, the only female programmer at Atari during that time. But for the most part, though, that's better than other places that were around. Yeah. You know? No, there was there was progression. I'm not saying that there wasn't. And, I, and I, honestly, I think that, you know, from these stories that were told, that this was probably a lot milder than people make it out to be. But, I mean, that also goes back to kind of one of my original statements, which is... If you're gonna play it up like a certain thing, then you now you can't do it anymore. Well, yeah. yeah, and if you're gonna play it up like X, then you better be you better expect for you to get the backlash of playing it up like X, even if it wasn't like that all the time. You know, like the the quote that we read at the beginning, where they think it was a drive-by assassination and it wasn't a wet T-shirt contest every day. Well, if it wasn't, then it shouldn't be talked about as such sure but but i think in the past when you talked about it <laughs> 10 years ago versus now it's a different climate so it's not like i don't think bush now knowing what's going on now would go out and, and say the same thing that he said 10 years ago or eight years ago or 20 years ago 2012 he was talking about stacked secretaries but even that's a different environment to where we are now fair you know, enough six years later so all right all right i don't think i ever did i ever meet Nolan bush now i know he seems seems all right you know by me but like I said I just hope this doesn't follow him for the rest of his life now versus what he actually achieved so I think this is a fairly mild story all things and yeah this is a great article though I mean it's really straight down the middle both sides fair and balanced Ian Kotaku turning over a new leaf gamers aren't dead yet (laughs) this portion of the CU podcast is sponsored by Dollar Shave Club 
or you can try the $5 shit shower and shave kit for only 5 bucks. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash shave to order. Looking pretty baby-faced, Pat. Well, you know what helps with that, Ian? Dollar Shave Club, the executive razor, which is part of their shit shower and shave trial kit. You go to dollarshaveclub.com slash shave for the deal. It's only 5 bucks. You get this executive razor, which I which I use, has six blades on there. That's why you get all baby face pat easily. <laughs> you get some other goodies in there too to help uh, with with the whole morning process. You also get a shave butter trial size to uh, ensure a very smooth shave, and you also get an amber lavender body cleanse for the bath. You know what? In the shower, we're at the point now where a man can use a body cleanse freely and openly. It's 2018. It's okay to do that. I've been using... I was ahead of the curve. I was using that stuff 10 years ago. If it says lavender on it, I've probably been using it since I was a, I don't know, a teenager. <laughs> I, anything that smells like lavender is great. And you even get a couple... You get a few of the One Wipe Charlie uh, butt wipe packs. And it's... They are butt wipes. And they are, <laughs> they are peppermint scented. And another thing we can all talk about now is... Um, if you've never experienced a solid wipe with a good wipe... <laughs> A solid wipe with a good wipe? Is uh, it a verb and a noun? Yeah, it is. It, it is. A wipe <laughs> is a thing and also something you do. Um, you can now try it with these one wipe trolleys. So this box is $5, and it's body wash, it's shave butter, it's a six-blade razor with uh, four, bla- uh, four, four, blade four cartridges, four cartridges. Um, a handful of the one wipe Charlies, and it saves you from going to the you know, store. When I go to the store, Ian... There's so much competition in the aisle, you don't know what to choose when you're when you're looking for razors. You actually don't. But by, by the time I get to the razors, I'm worn out from trying to decide what mozzarella sticks I want. Exactly. And, and that is <laughs> So Dollar State Club makes it easier. Yes. So it's five dollars to, to to start this trial and you can cancel any time. If you continue on, it's nine bucks a month after that for the one wipe Charlie packs you'll get every month and you'll get replacement cartridges for your executive. Razor. Like I said, I, I use this. This is great for travel as well, and it works. It's nice and nice and smooth. Yeah, going to the store stinks to buy razors. They're overpriced. You know that. Forget that. You know. So again, you get the shave butter. You get the shave butter, Ian. You get the body wash. Butter. Body wash. Wash. One wipe, Charlie's. Hey, maybe you can do a couple of wipes on one. We're not going to tell if you do. Wipes. Why yeah. not? And you get the, the most important thing to me, at least, is this executive razor right there. Again, go to dollarshaveclub.com slash CU shave. That's letter CU and shave. See, we're, we're going to watch you shave in your own dom- domicile. We're going to do that? No, we're not going to do that. But we're not going to watch you wipe. Don't not worry. Gonna, <laughs> we're just going to watch one <laughs> and not the other. <laughs> Dollar Shave Club, great grooming products. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to break the bank either there. So again, dollarshaveclub.com slash CU shave. You wanted to put this topic on on, yeah. on the agenda here, Marvel, so, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. Here's I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the state of fighting games, but this is really just the main jump off and my main point. So Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite came out in September of 2017. The entire time it was in development, people laughed at it. Um, Did they really? Well, yeah, because it looked like garbage. Graphically, it looked like nonsense. Um, it looked like they were... <clears throat> You know, pulling or rushing assets from other places, and people started to get. Wouldn't half the assets be from Marvel's Capcom Three? Like the same characters, or necessarily? Why <laughs> um, would it be that much different? And things started to get bleaker as, um, you know, there were 
rumors and then confirmations that certain characters wouldn't be making it back into uh, Infinite. Basically, the, the the roster was going to be considerably nerfed um, with the absence of the X-Men um, being one of the main... Damn you, Fox! The main things that they were... <laughs> except, yeah, except for like Wolverine? Um, no, no Wolverine. No, no Wolverine. No X-Men. None. Not, Wolverine's usually like... Even no, in, no even, X-Men. Even in this post, yeah, I know he's post-X-Men world, Avenger, but he's, no, he's, no he's, X-Men. <laughs> you can still find him on a t-shirt at Target. No Fantastic Four or X-Men, though. No, no X-Men. Wow, that's shocking. So... <laughs> and and it wasn't all just Fox, apparently. Part of it was that um, Disney very much wanted to only focus on stuff that people were seeing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Stuff that they're making money on. Yeah. Because they're not making money on X-Men. Right. But that's not going to sell it. So, I mean, the big thing about um, these Marvel vs. Capcom games, besides like the lightning quick gameplay and all that and the tagging in and tagging out that people love, is been the historically rather large and fun rosters of characters to pick from. And you just didn't get that. So the game launched to little fanfare. People said that it was mechanically tight, but the um, the user interface was awful. There was very little in the way of options. Um, you know, characters were bland looking. Um, you know, and, you know, people at Capcom or I think it was at, uh, at Capcom Unity, you know, when people were complaining about the absence of favorite characters, they're like, well, if you're playing a fighting game, they're just a function, so it shouldn't matter anyways. Ooh, that's bad. People have their favorites. They have their means. Yeah, well, Magneto's just a function, and this character will, you know, serve this function. No, that's, no, that's, that's not, not how, how people... That, that's not how no. it works. No, not, not when they're based on known comic book entities that you love. Yeah. It's not like making up some fighting game and throwing in a Clay Fighter characters that you don't know who the fuck they are. Right. Tiny, I mean, like Tiny. Tiny, I can play... Tiny's my main in Clay Fighter. <laughs> like, Tiny I Tiny. can play and enjoy a lot of fighting games with characters that I don't know, but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't rather know those characters. So if I want to play a game with Magneto, acting as Magneto, I want to play fucking Magneto. So, anyway... So, this would be its first tournament season. And it's not going to be at Evo. That was the first announcement. Which is the biggest fighting game. Yeah. It's not there at all. And really, Capcom's only major showing is Street Fighter V. Um, And it's crazy because uh, games like Dragon Ball Fighters, which is fantastic... Are not only only are not only at Evo, but they have their finals on Sunday. And, th- and those games are fairly recent. <laughs> Dragon Ball Fighters is like three weeks ago, so that already has an install base, and people are excited enough that we're gonna we're we're, gonna, we're doing that. We're not gonna wait. We know that's gonna be a, yeah, a hit. exactly. And it's one of the Sunday <laughs> finalists, and Sunday finalists are big. There's usually five of them this year. I think it's like Street Fighter Five, Tekken Seven, um, Guilty Gear, Xard. Dragon Ball Fighters, and... And that's in August, okay. And one other. August 3rd to 5th. So, it's just not there at all. So, that right there is evidence that it's... It's dead. It's just dead. Just dead. I mean, there are people who play it, and I've played a lot of fighting games that have had little to no support, and I feel bad for these people who like it, but this is what happens when Capcom... When someone gets lazy, and they totally miscalculate, and they just assume people are going to buy shit to keep buying shit. So <laughs> was there was there a lot of DLC that turned people off? Um, I think there was a, eventually DLC, but I think the game was a turn off before DLC even became a factor. Before it even got there. Okay. So 
not only is it not not only is it just not at Evo, it's not even going to be at Capcom's own Pro Tour. Wow. Which is Capcom's fighting game tour, which they have used most recently so, to largely focus on Street Fighter V. So their now, tour, they do a circuit at different events worldwide? Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's kind of like, at least for Street Fighter V players, I guess you could say. It's like, like qualifiers Evo. or something? Oh, yeah. oh, no, it's just another it, event. It's, just it's, another, it's another okay. tour. It's very it's like the, it, it's, big. it's like the World Championships versus the Olympics. Sort of thing. Uh, well, in the Capcom Pro Tour focuses only on Capcom properties. Sure, but, sure. For, but for Street Fighter Five, if you win that, it's, it's, just, it's just, as, just as prestigious as winning Evo Street Fighter Five. It's a pretty damn big thing. Okay, um, that's only now, been existing for a few years now. Okay, 2014. So it's crazy that Infinite won't be at the Capcom Pro Tour for two reasons. One, um, I mean, Capcom is showing absolutely no faith in the game and is basically abandoning it. But two. Uh, you could get a scene of people playing the game at a Capcom Pro Tour. It's not like there is no fan base. There are people who play it. And for them to release a game that many people considered overpriced and underproduced in September of 2017, have people buy that game, put their time into playing it, practicing, training, perhaps buying DLC, and then not even have a tournament grounds to even play the game on by the company by the man by the the um developer and publishers not even at their own tour not even at their own tournament will they have a stage to play this game on so that's a massive fuck you to fans from capcom too you fucked them over by giving them a shitty incomplete game, and now you're fucking them over the ones that stayed loyal to you by not giving them a place to play. And the game's only been out for like 16 months. So September 2017. Oh, it's 2018? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's only been out for four months. <laughs> what? Uh, I think. Five months, September. Hold on. October, November, December, Initial January. release, September 19th, it's 2017. Been, it's been four and a half months. Yep. Wow. So... I mean that's that's what really gets me. So they could have had a chance to at least reward the the few people that are actually playing and enjoying this game because there are some they're they're not. They're, so what are they replaced with? Nothing. Nothing. As far as I know, a, I think this is mostly just Street Fighter Five. They're going to pretend this game doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, and part. that's that's I don't know. That's just that sucks. I mean, I don't. I, it never there appealed. Are, there, to... there are less characters. No, oh, there's a shitload less. And this characters. is this is three on three, right? No, it's two on two. two, two it did go back it, to two on two. It did go back to two on two, which okay. was something that did appeal to me actually. Uh, yeah, with three to me was always way confusing. Uh, but okay, because I was like saying, for if this three on three, there's not enough characters for three on three. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's about looks like about 35 or so characters. If that's three on three, that's not enough. Two Dragon Ball Fighters only has like 21 characters and it's three on three. It works out. It works out? It doesn't yeah. get old? No. I okay. mean, most people settle into their teams right away. Of course. Anyways. You, you have your, your few people that you prefer. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, man. Colin, is this streamlined? So, I, it, I mean, anyways. Yeah, that I, that's what I have to say. About I'm just it. surprised. I didn't hear, I didn't hear, I didn't see any news about this being like just received terribly. Oh yeah, no, it, it it was it was horribly received. Less stylized art direction. Okay, you, you commented on that. Mixed to average reviews. 
Metacritic, scores of 72, 72, and 69 for Xbox One, PS4, and Microsoft Win- Windows version, respectively. So the best version on Xbox One, worst on Windows. That's pretty bad then for Marvel's Capcom game, though. If you're looking yeah. at like a three-star three, three star out of five, that's pretty bad then. Exactly. Like that. Interesting. And, you know, it it received a lot of the same arguments that a lot of games did. Well, it's for the tournament community. Well, it doesn't matter if anyone else grabs onto it. Well, no, this is... Were people turned off by two-on-two versus three-on-three? No, they they were turned off, I think, largely by the graphics, how rushed it seemed, and the the, uh, initial smallness of the roster when compared to other Marvel versions. Yeah, when it was gigantic, when you couldn't, like, each guy was, like, this small, like, this, like, a You didn't need a roster that big, but, you know, the the Marvel vs. Capcom 3 roster was fun. So, anyways, I mean, that's, that's, that's my, my statement on it. The good news is, is by Capcom not having, um, infinite in Evo, at least, it's allowing some other, better fighting games to shine that may not normally have gotten a Sunday uh, Sunday finalist spot because some sort of Marvel verse was always considered a shoe-in. So now we do have Dragon Ball Fighters as a Sunday finalist. We do have Guilty Gear, uh, Guilty Gear Exide Rev 2 as a Sunday finalist. And those are great games. And I mean, those are two of my favorite fighters right now. So I'm very much looking forward to the, seeing that. I'm not sure what's the percentage of pro gamers that would focus on only one type of fighting game versus also doing another. So in this case, if I'm a professional Marvel vs. Capcom player, I'm pissed. Yeah. Because there could have been some prize money that was there a year before that's not there anymore for the game I'm specializing in. For, for someone know. who plays a lot of fighting games but is good at none of them, um, me. Uh, <laughs> I've from, seen it. He isn't. Um, from what I gather, it's like I think a lot of the like big pro players have like one main game that they're 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 really into and then like one or two side games. So, I mean, it's yeah. so disappointing though because well, that's, that's still yeah. a that's still a large chunk of time practicing. And there's and less incentive them go less incentive to play the game. It's it, it's like a feedback loop, negative feedback loop. If there's no prize money, less competitive. Well, I feel like get I, into it, less interest in general. I feel like this out. is Capcom putting the bullet in the game right here. I feel like all the players who were hoping for something to come out of it once turn once the tournaments came around now have nothing to look at, and they're just like, okay, well, I got to pick up something else. Was it that broken that they could even <laughs> update patch this bitch to the point where it would be respectable? From what I understand, it wasn't even the mechanics that were that awful. It was the fact that it was Capcom's attitude towards the game. It was how Capcom released it. It was how Capcom interacted with the fans. It was how they basically served up a shell of nothing, and you basically got essentially a a, a, a a fighter select screen and go. Nice, very nice. Okay, well, Capcom. Uh, hopefully, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite Two Dark Rising will be better well received with Fantastic Four. Hopefully, and X Men characters when you buy out Twentieth uh, Century Fox. Hopefully, later this year. Yeah, so I can see that Fantastic Four movie. Ian, we discuss uh, Jim Sterling from time to time. He's the video game, I would say, current events commentator. Is that accurate? And, sure. And he had a video, 22 minutes long, uh, made some great points about the state of AAA games and the pricing structure. Okay. Now, it was a little, little long-winded, not going to lie. <laughs> maybe could have cut off about eight or so minutes, 22 minutes, maybe 10 minutes or 12 would have been fine. But he brought up some arguments about the state of AAA titles, Obviously, DLC ballooning the overall cost from sixty dollars to who knows eighty, hundred dollars, 
season passes, DLC, loot boxes. Obviously, this has helped sour the AAA market, or at least the the outlook of it to people like us yeah. who are around the games. So he argues in this video, if you haven't seen it out there, that AAA games should really cost $0 because they're making a lot of money off of DLC and season passes, obviously, and loot boxes already, that they're going to make their money. He also references a couple of articles. I think one was someone from EA in 2009 saying games really cost 30 bucks. He referenced one or two other developers saying, yeah, other games should cost more money. Actually, other games should cost less money, but ours is, should cost as much, and this is why. So just throwing out anecdotes like that about game costs. The other argument he makes that I, I kind of see his point is like, okay, if you if you come from the stance of that, if game companies need to make their profit margin, they should just raise the price up, then you know start the games now coming out at $80 instead of 60 And he argues that game companies would do both because they're greedy and they try to make all the profit because they're publicly traded companies and that's what they're set out to do is make as much profit as possible that companies would, would not change their DLC ways and season pass ways if they started at a base price of higher whether it's 70, 80, 90 dollars they would do that and still have the DLC and still have the loot boxes and still have all the garbage that we complain about today that Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, pulled off it was an interesting take I agree with some of his points I don't agree with others uh, uh, about it what I think the points he missed out upon that we've discussed is that this is not the video game history from 20 years ago or 25 years ago or even 10, 15 years ago right? where games have become more and more prohibitively expensive to produce. We, when we talk about a game like GTA 5 that makes a ton of money or uh, a Call of Duty game, we're talking about games that have budgets of uh, Hollywood motion pictures. A lot of these games that take four years to develop that have hundreds of people working on uh, working on them at one time. This, we're not in the era of Super Nintendo games anymore or even PlayStation 1 games um, where, yeah, there's there might be a less reward. They're making less money, but there's a lot less risk involved. So that's why these companies have gone away from single-player game experiences for a while. For example, because, because some see it as very risky. That's why we saw a cancellation of a single-player Star Wars game because, rightly or wrongly, they probably said, this isn't going to make us the money of a game like Battlefront 2. Or we can have loot boxes. In well, that DLC. was <clears throat> they canceled the single player game and to basically make a Star Wars Destiny game. Exactly, it's because single player games they think can't make money, which I don't agree with. But that's the stance. They, they they're not going to make as much money. So we have to think about that when we talk about pricing of games. Is that they co- at least these AAA titles, these major ones, cost a hell of a lot more than they used to. They are riskier, absolutely. But we never we never talk about inflation ever when we talk about video game prices. True. We we sort of put that in the back of our heads that sixty dollars from twenty years ago is a hell of a lot more than sixty dollars today. So games have actually gotten gotten for us cheaper over the years. Yeah, I mean I remember PlayStation One titles towards the end were regularly about forty nine ninety nine new, and then we started moving into about the regular, I, I would say, games were regularly fifty nine ninety nine throughout the Xbox three hundred and sixty and PS three when Wii games were still forty nine ninety nine, and then you know now that we're in once once we were in Wii U PS four Xbox One Switch territory, now all base prices are sixty. Sure, as far but as I I'm just talking about it. what the dollars were. Oh about. yeah, no, I'm, I yes. you know so okay, so for nineteen eighty five. 
the dollar was, uh, let's see, the price difference was, so it was worth 25% more, the dollar in 1985. So that means if you had a $60 game in 1985, let's see, what does that come out to? Calculate that out. So $60 in 1985 was $76, right? Mm -hmm. In today's dollars. In 95, let's see, price difference. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I had this off. Okay. $60 in 95 was worth, is, is worth $96 today. So that's more than 50% more sure. from 20 years ago. Right. And even 10 years ago, let's look at 10 years ago. So I'll forget the 85. We'll just deal with 20 years ago and 10. So let's see. $75. $60 uh, in 2005 was worth $75. So as you can see, as Ian says, that even when he brings up those prices, the sixty dollars went a, went a lot further overall. Then we just didn't realize it. So when you actually look at the the power of the dollar, it's decreased and decreased, and that's what inflation is. So really, the sixty dollar gain from twenty years ago really cost costs us today forty dollars. We just don't see that happening, right? People people make more money than they did twenty years ago. People that are developing these games, working on these games, have to make more money to live. Living uh, prices, li the it increases. The cost cost of living, housing, food, whatever. Gasoline even to drive the work. So that was ignored in Jim Sterling's video. And that's not excusing DLC at all. No, But you have to bring that point up. That people have to bring up. And I've had to bring that up with people at the store before too, just in friendly conversation, et cetera, et cetera. It's come up. And this is spiraling away a little bit from the DLC, but... People always go, man, video games are so much expen more expensive now than they were when we were kids. And a lot of these were people who weren't having their first video games. They weren't buying them for themselves. It was mom and dad. And it's like, oh, no. Sure. No, they were expensive. It, it's like, they're yeah. not. I'm like, A, here's a receipt for a brand new, because, I mean, they come in in boxes, you know, more frequently than you'd think. Here's a Mario Kart 64, brand new, seventy four ninety nine in 1998. Okay. I, I paid eighty dollars at the Capcom store for Street Fighter Two on Super Nintendo. Yeah, eighty dollars in what was that ninety two? Right, it's a ton of money. We'll use my calculator. So, right, I'm I'm just saying that in terms of video game prices, yes, I agree with the inflation that you know it probably has become better for the base game. Um, that was one hundred and forty dollars. My eighty dollars would be worth today. <laughs> I paid one hundred and forty dollars. For a pretty good translation of Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo at Capcom store. <laughs> so that's a lot of money for a fucking 12-year-old thing. Yeah, it is. So, um, so yeah, I mean, just getting that out of the way, I think the base price of games is not nearly as drastically expensive as people think it is when you take into account what the price of video games has been over, over the years. Um, with DLC... I I agree with Jim that even if the base price of games was higher, they would probably... They would take that profit, too. They would take it. that profit, too, and they would probably still do DLC. That doesn't stop me from wishing that, and this kind of spirals off onto a question that someone said, do you think uh, AAA games will ever be more than the base 60? Someone asked us, uh, Mark Musso. Um, I kind of wish we would see... A, a time where a base game price does not exist or a general you're saying slide it up and down yeah how it used to exist on the nes 
And sure. yes, you had budget titles like the Black Box games when they came out. They were 25 bucks, 30 bucks. Then you had like your Super Mario 3s were like 40 to $50. But you even had your Koei games that had some more... Had more chips in them and took. There was like sixty, seventy dollars even on the NES. Well, and I mean that is part of the manufacturing cost that we don't have to worry about today with CDs. But, but there is a cost of going yeah, into the game yes, either way, right? Um, what I would love is because it would be so much better for me. Is stop trying to sell me a base version as a full game. Sure. Have the balls to charge what you think your fucking game is worth with everything in there. With it, all the potential DLC. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I don't care if you're going to trickle that out to me later. Make that a promise. Say, this is what's coming out later. This is what you're getting up front. But just charge me for the whole fucking game. So you, you'd be okay spending 85 bucks or 90 if you knew, okay, this is it. I'm getting the full, complete package. It's like if you're buying pinball machines. You're getting the, the quote-unquote limited or competitive edition that has everything. All the... All the toys, all the trinkets, right. everything. And I realize that may not be how a lot of people want to do it, but to me, it would just it would it would make me a lot happier psychologically, and it would be I, I just I just want to know the price of what I'm paying for. Essentially, like I, when I when I make a decision to purchase a fairly big game these days, like a triple A AAA game or something that would likely have um, DLC and stuff, I make my decision based on. Whether or not I'm getting the 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 stuff the season pass, I don't want to have to worry about all that shit later on. I don't want to. It's that feeling that the game's going to be out of date, and then if a game is worth less than sixty, then don't charge sixty bucks for it. Nintendo mm-hmm. is good with that. Um, they they will oftentimes shave ten bucks off a, of a Switch game if they don't feel like it's worth the full release price. Um, a lot of the physical releases of indie games, you know, aren't being you know they're not charging sixty bucks for you know limited run charges. What like thirty I think for most of their releases, if not all of them, except for maybe some special edition ones. You know that's incredibly reasonable. You know I mean there are places you look at the PC Steam marketplace. I mean that's a perfect example of people just charge what they feel the game is worth. And I wish that's what would happen with modern console gaming or AAA titles in general is stop feeling like you have to charge 60 and then tack all this other stuff on when you could just pitch me your game with everything in it instead of trying to have to tell me what you're parceling out and just be like, this is what you're getting for 100 Sure. I, I think the other argument I would just make about people complaining about the DLC or, or loot uh, box or whatever season passes because let's let's be honest this is a large revenue stream now that you're, you're, a company is not going to give a publicly traded company especially is not going to say oh yeah we're making 50 million a year off of this let's just throw it away we're not going to make it anymore no it's going to stay here but the consumer has a choice not to buy those games yeah if they don't want there's tons of video games out there if you don't like how battlefront 2 did business don't buy a future Battlefront game. Don't buy an EA game and vote with your wallet. There's still other plenty of games out there in the digital sea. Don't buy the current Battlefront 2 and be like, well, I guess we'll give it a chance if you're already yes. pretty much dead set on the fact that you hate it. Because obviously they didn't put a dent. It made the top 10 list still. Yeah. So people, so people that raged online, you really didn't affect it. Or like you said, you bought it anyway. And you fed into that ecosystem that you claim to hate. So that that's all. I mean... It's not going away. To say, though, games should cost nothing is obviously silly because then what happens when you don't sell the game or you take the risk? Guess what? That game company's gone. DLC or not. Right. Know? So th- let's 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 be reasonable here. 
let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, there. All right. We have a very special scumbag. Scumbag seller. Seller of the week. Week. Ian, Ian, who is our scumbag seller of the week? Um, hold the, on. the first it's, one, at, the first one at Castle Country. Was, what's their eBay? What's their uh, eBay name? Seller e- name? E- eBay.com. eBay.com. <laughs> eBay.com. In their new reproduction video game manuals, inserts, and box art section, they have a category now on eBay for reproduction manuals. Inserts and box art. Okay. There's a few things you know about us on the CU podcast. We know that uh, Ian likes to, you know, he likes to tease me from time to time. You know, we, we do like a game called uh, Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat. I, that's, that's, I've seen that rumored about yeah. from time to time. It's true. Uh, you, you know, we, we, but we also like talking about counterfeit games, counterfeit manuals, and counterfeit inserts. That's right. And how they always pop up on eBay. So it was always strange to me how, well, not many ever gotten taken down. I would say half of our scumbags of the, of the week have been repro manuals or a chunk of them. Sure. Besides crappy ass, uh, modern all in one game consoles. But <laughs> eBay must be seeing that they're making so much money off of this that in their infinite wisdom of not co- probably consulting any other corporate lawyers, they thought we can get away with selling what amounts to counterfeit art. Yeah. On our website with its own category. I mean, this is just... I mean, it's insane. We have the reproduction case when you co- of Pokemon Heart Gold replacement case. Pokemon Platinum version replacement case. Zelda Minish Cap Game Boy Advance replacement case. On the front page, oh, Super Smash Brothers Melee GameCube custom replacement case. These aren't custom. These are the same art being used as the original release. Yeah. So unless these individual sellers have the copyright for this artwork, they cannot legally reproduce and sell them. So the fact that eBay not only is turning a blind eye to it, but now embracing it, it tacitly embracing it by having its own category is pretty disgusting. Doom 2 GBA Game Boy Advance replacement case and artwork. Mario Kart Double Dash, Metroid box. Fusion, oh, no, Contra 4. A lot of nin- Nintendo consoles. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time GameCube custom case. The one that was the two-pack. That's on here. I mean, it's Alundra 2 for uh, PS1. This is mind-blowing to me. It's interesting that for some of these things, they seem to be dodging around it. Like, I haven't found any Game Boy Advance reproduction boxes. I'm finding reproduction cases and I'm wondering if that's eBay's way of doing it, meaning Do they it's have... not a cardboard box. They, they, it's, a, it's the artwork, but slipped into like a snap case box. Do they something. have a deal with the seller? Because when I click on all these, these are, for the most part, Coast Books 100. Yeah, they all Which look is like a top-rated plus seller with over 7,400 feedback. So did they go to eBay and ask for this? Did eBay come to them and ask for it, for this? Oh, and here are the replacement labels now. Here's a Run Saber Super Nintendo reproduction label by 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 uh, by another uh, game com- uh, seller. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on here. That was uh, Next Level Games WA. 
Oh, here we go. A a a straight up reproduction Metal Warriors cardboard box. Just straight up. Just straight up Metal Warriors reproduction cardboard box. So it's not like a it's not like a plastic case or anything like that. It's just here we are. AJ Collectibles selling reproduction cardboard boxes. All right. This this is very problematic, obviously. It's uh, absurd. <sighs> Pokemon White version 2. You think Nintendo knows about this? You think Nintendo would be happy to know that eBay has an entire now reproduction section on their website? For labels like Super Mario RPG reproduction labels. You think uh, you think uh, Warner Brothers would be, would be happy and people behind Lego that a Lego Batman Xbox, Xbox 360 custom case and artwork exists? I don't who would even buy that? You can buy the game for that for that much. Yeah, exactly. At that point. Yeah, some of this stuff is Donkey oh. Kong GBA Game Boy replacement case. I don't know. Where, where do you turn from here? I, I mean, you have them turning a blind eye, and now they're saying, "Okay, and, and now we're promoting and, it." And underneath these, you can get reproduction Game and Watch tabletop manuals. That's not good to begin with. But they don't even say repro in the listing. Yeah, oh, I don't see that one. What, what, oh, I'm, I, I what jumped page? all the way to page... Uh, I see that one. So, page... Page, 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 page. Uh, page, I think I'm on page 13. 13? Let me see if I can find that. And then scroll down and you'll see two. There's Popeye Tabletop and Mario's Cement Factory Tabletop. Both selling for twenty two ninety nine. They do not say repro in the description. You actually have to click on them to go in and oh, see the repro. There they are. Oh, that's brilliant. Paper stock and print color matches the original booklet. Oh, isn't that fun? You won't be able to tell the difference. That's from seller Kel S C or Kel S C. Great. You know what's also that's great on all these pages? There is a tell us what you think link on the bottom of all these. So why don't you, you know, if you if you like this, you know, or you're neutral or or you can be dissatisfied, why don't you tell eBay about it, your experience on this? On the section of <clears throat> reproduction, video game manuals, inserts, and box art. So then maybe at one point, eBay, you will no longer be the scumbag seller of the week if you come to your senses and or before you get sued by, I don't know, Nintendo or another company for reproducing their artwork uh, blatantly and selling it for uh, for $11. You know, and promoting it on your site freely. Because this is like a whole Napster thing now where you can't just say, you know, well, we're just letting people use our system. Now you acknowledged it with the own section. This is insane to me. Yeah. This is the most insane scumbag seller of the week I think we have had. <laughs> yeah. A major corporation doing something blatantly <laughs> illegal. You know, I mean, when it was, yeah. Yeah, I mean the further I'm almost you go. baffled that this got somehow someone's going to someone might get fired over this for letting this happen and not talking to corporate because if I'm a corporate lawyer at eBay, I'm like you're fired for even bringing up this for even talking about this. Yeah, let alone doing this. <laughs> you're fired on the side. for being dumb. Yeah, I mean once you get into the labels and the boxes, that's where I lose it. It's like okay, once you're actually reproducing boxes and labels, done. And manuals, yeah. Okay. All right, that's fun. Ian, you've had fun with Uton Football League, haven't you? We talked about this on the podcast a while ago, right? The Kickstarter? A yeah. Long, a long time ago. So I was pretty excited um, to get a chance to 
test this out finally. So it came out um, in October, but I think it finally just got its PlayStation 4 release uh, just a few weeks ago, actually. Um, I started, I, I saw it one night, it had just popped up, and I was like, yeah, okay, $20 price point seems like a good gamble on arcade football. I uh, I like you, arcade football. You, you, enjoyed, you enjoyed the original? I did like the original. I liked uh, the I liked um, Meat and League Hockey more, um, but I, I liked both. So this was done by uh, oh, I lost it. I think Digital Dreams. I think Digital Dreams is the name of the company that did this one, and it's a uh, spiritual successor to it. Hopefully, we'll see more. And uh, spiritual successor or successor because it has the same name. It's, no, it's, it, it's Mutant League Football as opposed to this is Mutant Football League. The other was are you Mutant serious? League football. They got away with that change for the trademark yeah. by switching it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, which, it's, which not, ma- it's not it's not cola. It co- it's cola coca, which makes it closer, by the way, to the NFL, which I find it's, even funnier. Um, NFL. That's wow. Okay, I can believe they got away with that. Yep. Wow. Okay. So. <laughs> Anyways, it uh, one of its selling points, I think, is uh, the fact that it has uh, Tim Kitzero in the announcer's chair. The NBA Jam announcer. The NBA Jam announcer who goes by Grim Blitzero in the game. That's pretty funny. Okay. Um, give, him that. give him that. There is, uh, there's like 16 teams to pick from. Okay. So that's a good amount. That's actually that's a pretty good amount for a game like this. Pretty good amount. Um, graphics are decent, but the gameplay is a lot of fun. It's really fast. It reminds me a lot of Blitz. Blitz, but it's 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 uh, it's it's vertical uh, down the field. Well, Blitz was vertical too. Am I confusing that with yes the side oh, something? This? What the hell was the other one? I don't know. High impact, high impact football. Confusing with the high okay, impact football. Okay, yeah, well, I got with the it. one big yeah, button. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's it's easy to pick up. You know, you've got your you've got two sets of basic plays, uh, each containing run and uh, passing. Sure. Um, you've got you know. Three buttons for passing, one to throw it away. Um, you got your run button. You can, you know, spin off. You can do a stiff arm. You can dive um, or do normal tackles. You can call audibles and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the play fields, you know, are littered with mines. Some have buzz saws that will go racing across, uh, you know, certain yard lines. Um, there's worms and stuff like giant worms that can jump out. Tremors of, worms. Yeah, there's like tremors worms that will like leap right, out cool. and like that's really cool. Eat other players and you know dive back down into the into the, <laughs> the field. Um, and then there's uh, uh, dirty tricks is what they call the special plays in this. And each team gets two offensive and two defensive ones, and they can use them, I believe, once per half, along with bribing the ref. And uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of variety in them. You know, some of the offensive, uh, you know, special plays you can use give your running back a uh, buzz saw. So anytime he uh, attempts to get blocked, you can uh, kill the other players or injure them. And you get like eight swipes with the buzz saw. Um, you can pass gas so that anyone that you run past, uh, you know, is clouded in noxious fumes. Um, on defense, uh, you can swap the opposing quarterback's ball with a time bomb so that it blows up the receiver that catches it or blows up the quarterback. And uh, it's really fast and fun and easy to play. It plays better the faster you play it. You get speed settings to play it on, and it's more arcadey the faster you go. Um, you can set the quarters uh, you know, short or long, um, and it's a really good time. The announcing is... 
it's funny because it's very well done and the banter is like kind of quick. It's not really my it's not my like favorite type of humor, but it is kind of funny. Okay. And it, it just, it goes with what you're seeing on screen. Okay. I mean, it's funny. They, they say some surprisingly racy stuff. Like when you hear Tim Kitzrow say fuck for the first time, you're like, Oh, okay. Wow. That's, that, that's oh weird. no, that's racy. Well, I mean, no, but like, it's a violent, gory game. I don't mind having a little language. It, no, neither yeah. do I. It's just, it's interesting because there's actually a language option to turn the language uh, on or off. And when you turn it on, it really does kind of amp up the language. Is it like NBA Jam? There's like 40 different things that are said. There's a few over, more than that. Yeah. You know. Um, so from downtown, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it oh. does, it does have some, some problems. Um, it doesn't have a lot of modes, you know. It's got like exhibition, you know, a you know a Super Bowl type mode. Which is there being, a season? There's a season where you just run through the different player right. teams, and then you do the 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 playoffs and stuff. Basically, all the modes that you can jump in at different points in the season. So you can do playoffs. You can do straight to the Super playoffs. Bowl. Playoffs. 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 Talking about playoffs. playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> um. And it, it is cool because, uh, you know, if all of your quarterbacks get killed or certain um, defenders get killed, uh, you just have to forfeit the game. That's awesome. So, so I like that. So you have to so, keep them healthy? So you have to keep them healthy and constantly rotate your lines okay. to let them heal up. And, uh, yeah, it's not just winning the game by points. If you actually decimate the team badly enough, they just can't keep playing. So for 20 bucks, it's a lot of fun. They are promising online leagues later uh, in a couple of months, you think you so? Can, you can you can play online right now. The Kickstarter only had about thirty one hundred backers. I'm guessing it, it did a little bit better once it actually was released. Um, yeah, the Kickstarter failed, but they I guess they well, it didn't fail. It didn't look like it. it looked like it raised the money, but it, did it fail? Uh, it said it failed, or at least the first Kickstarter failed when I was reading about it. Either see. way, enough people had enough faith in it to back it up, and it got released. And it is, it's getting. Oh, good. it didn't fail. Uh, they raised one hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Well, in February two thousand seventeen. The only thing is, is it, and I noticed this with games made on Unity. I it like some of the big hits, some of the collision, some of the impact. It just doesn't feel as like weighty. Yeah, it doesn't it? Doesn't oh. it? Doesn't it? Doesn't have like a, there's not as much weight behind it as I I would like. Um, but I would say if you're at all curious and you like arcade football. And you're into that, you know, the weird plays and stuff. I think twenty bucks is a really reasonable price for it. Um, but there's a, there's an argument to be made for waiting for it to go on sale. Um, yeah, this to me that's like a budget title in terms. Of, I'm not. He says oh, twenty it's, bucks is fine. Yeah, yeah. it is. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a it, fifty dollar game. Though. No, it's not. And, and I, like I said, with the with the lack of um, one to four players. All right, the lack of play style, uh, with the lack of modes and stuff. I think it's priced about right. And I think anyone who might want to sit on the fence, if it hit 15, I'd say it's pretty much a okay. good Okay, this is amusing. They have, it's almost like the, remember those baseball cards with the different demon characters? They had personalities and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they they use like fake names. Bra Bronkowski. Yeah. The Shermanator. 
Wham Neutron was my favorite one from the other day instead of Cam Newton. <laughs> what was it? Wham Neutron? Wham so they're, Neutron. They're clever with the star yeah, players. Like, like, the, like instead of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Hambonio the- Crown <laughs> instead of Antonio Brown. That's funny. It's and, not- and it has his hair still. Yeah. It has his weird yep. cube hair. There's a lot of like cuteness and charm to it. Um, the team names for the most parts are plays off of uh, real team names. Like it's the... Uh, um, There's Orcs. Philadelphia Evils. Uh... The new, uh, the new, uh, the, I can't remember. All right, you sold me, Ian. You sold everyone on it's this. It's fun. You I, sold everyone on this. Hey, like I said, it's got its issues, but it's a shitload of fun. Give us the hard sale now on, uh, Mutant Football League, not to be confused with Mutant, Mutant League football. football. Somehow. Somehow it's the same thing. It's really hard to find an online game. If anyone wants to play online, well, let me know. Oh, <laughs> Ian. Sir. We have another Twin Galaxies update. Oh, yeah. And we spoke about the issues sure with Todd Rogers and Dragsters. We it, we predicted that there was going to be many mighty falls. I don't know about that. I, I, I said in particular maybe people were going to look into some of these decades old, not even decades old in this case, Twin Galaxies records even more. And I even said simply maybe someone looks into Billy Mitchell. And I just threw that name out there just because that's the first and only one I knew. Going down. So what happened literally right after the podcast? Not because of us. It was this was in motion. Yeah. But so there was a a, a Billy Mitchell set of scores that he claimed were done on an, a real arcade machine. Were actually done by emulation through analysis of the screens and how the screen puts together the image. Emulate on main. So that brings into issue some factors because if you don't see someone playing a main uh, run live, you can fake runs by piecing together, by piecing them together. You can do that. So that's why if, if you submit a main score, you really have to be doing it either live in front of someone or someone's got to witness that and, and be reliable. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like in this case, that didn't really happen. There's, there's not really records of this happening. And besides that, Billy Mitchell even himself has said that main doesn't count. He said that himself. He said that real arcade machine uh, boards. So even by his own standards, something is going on here. So uh, one of those guys. So so we have, let's see, the allegation was three of his scores, 1.047 million, which was a, a, a tape, the tape from King of Kong. So there's some backstory from that. A 1.05 million score and a 1.06 million score achieved at the Boomer's Arcade close to Mitchell's home were captured on a PC running MAME rather than a traditional arcade machine. There's a separate leaderboard for MAME scores, and the, and the emulator is more susceptible to cheating, such as splicing together multiple playthroughs. Like I said, you can right. get away with that. Like on an emu- like any other emulator, you can trick it with save states and other things, and I think some that's even built in the MAME that you can splice together by recording. Yeah, you can do you can do recording on MAME. Yes. And then you can go backwards and backtrack and record forward. So, which I've never done, but these things exist. Damn dirty emulation. All right, so there was sleuths, uh, sleuths on the Twin Galaxies boards and Donkey Kong boards that put this together. Like, do we have to buy them sandwiches? I'm not sure about that. Maybe, maybe a mozzarella stick or two. (laughs) Maybe an app. We'll get them an app. An app. You like the mozzarella sticks? You referenced that. Mm. But they figured this out by looking at the playback and the ordering of the graphical images displaying on screen. Right. And it is different on main versus a traditional uh, CRT monitor and a, a traditional arcade ROM. Using a real, using the real machinery, so that's really interesting in this that this got to that point. 
So the only the only um there there was some some uh he went he, Billy Mitchell didn't really talk about it much until he went on the, the East Side East Side Dave podcast. And East Side Dave is a talent that used to be on the Ron and Fez show. I used to listen to that show when it existed. And he sort of beat around the bush when it came to that issue. He's not really admitting any fault when it, when it comes to this. Right. So, it, I mean, it is what it is. Point these 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 scores are stricken from the record now, as they should be. Yes. And I, I don't know. I I mean, it would. It, it, are you shocked? No, I'm not. I'm not really shocked about anything that's coming to light about this as of right now. I don't know why anyone would want to be associated with Twin Galaxies at the moment. I don't... And he's declined to speak with, with anyone else that's asking about this, believe me. Yep, and then he was supposed to be... Or should Mitchell did not pick up... Yeah, so <clears throat> none of this really surprises me. And I, like I said, I, I, we talked a little bit about it. I, I, I feel like basically any score from a certain point on backwards really at this point has to be questioned and i would i mean i almost and call me drastic but it's just fucking video game scores people just raise it to the ground and start over i mean Ra- raise any that don't have any current evidence yeah eliminate if there's, if there's them. no current evidence just if there's no current evidence dump it and there's even a speck of maybe a glimmer of okay this could be incorrect or wrong or especially if the person associated with it get rid of it you're right wipe it clean wipe it clean and i see this as being a i see that as being a positive thing um for 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 a reason or two one if they do that and they do it quick enough they can twin galaxies can regain some bit of uh can slowly regain their clout and respectability two with all those scores cleared that have no evidence it gives a lot of people an interesting time to jump into trying to set high scores on their games, and you may even see a revitalization in that. So you can clear your name, kind of prevent this sort of shit from cropping up again, and only using you know the live recorded evidence, and and maybe get more people back into this, and maybe or, give it a better name. Yeah, so there's some drama going on with this. So, okay, this is from the GameSpot article. Um, summarizes two of the original tapes the 1.04 and 1.5 1.05 million tapes were uploaded to youtube by a man named Dwayne richard before they were ever turned over to twin galaxies richard appeared in the king of Khan, but he was also involved in the creation of two post documentaries the king of Khan, which purports that mitchell received payoffs from the king of Khan filmmakers wow okay. and the perfect fraud man which questions mitchell's claim of having the first perfect pac-man game knuckles richie knuckles characterizes uh, Richard as someone with an axe to grind against Mitchell. Mitchell. And he proposes that this bias, any suspicion of doctored or altered footage, can be eliminated by simply cutting Richard out of the equation. Knuckles reasons that if the critics can watch the original tapes, the one Richard turned over to Twin Galaxies, rather than Richard's uploads, they would be fairer. But there's no tapes that we can find right now. They can't find them. That's the problem. This always seems to be what happens when when it's they convenient. when they need to conveniently find these things that you know contain any sort of proof that's it's gone. Oh, okay. Twin Galaxy referee says he reached out to me and said I stole the original t- copy. If it'll help Bill in any way, I can send it to you. So maybe there is a tape. Maybe one of these stores is good. 
Maybe maybe someone is screwing around with Billy Mitchell. I mean, so I mean, here's this. Knuckles recalls an incident from years ago when Richard asked Knuckles for help in faking MAME footage. He also repeated this anecdote on Facebook account, which we've lightly edited for grammar and spelling. I remember it well. I was in the parking lot of a Walmart when Richard called and asked me to participate in a MAME Donkey Kong ruse in his exact words to put egg on Twin Galaxy's face. I told him I was not interested. So, so the, the, this Knuckles guy is saying that this this guy was out for Billy Mitchell has an axe to grind in general, which Twin Galaxies. But maybe that guy with the axe to grind has a reason to want to grind that axe because maybe he's seen some cheating going on and realizes there's some bad shit happening. I don't know. This, this whole is all, shit is just fucking insane. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. At the end of the day, I understand. <laughs> if, I understand if it's your brand to be the best classic arcade game player and have the, the, uh, Pac-Man high scores and Donkey Kong. Holy shit. Is there a lot of money at stake here that I don't know about? Am I in the wrong business? <laughs> I don't know. Should I start being the best at Centipede or Dig Dug to get my name out there? Can I do that? These at this point, all I know is that these these egos must be as fragile as fucking. Oh, there is there is there is as fragile as this probably this table after a couple other podcasts, <laughs> most likely, uh, or or my ego. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is just so much drama. It's, it's almost getting too much into the weeds now, in my opinion, when it comes to this stuff. Because we're talking about these scores that are off from each other, like 30,000, 40,000 points. And, but yeah, you're almost right. It's like going forward, you know, you know, almost, almost like, let's just wipe it clean. Let's have a, let's have a four day Donkey Kong event where all the big players come out and play them all live. We'll do it live. We'll do it just live. Fucking yeah. play them all in front of people. And that's it. We'll establish a new fucking leaderboard from scratch. Besides the ones that, like the like the the real high score that the guy put a fucking camera up, filmed himself, then with it still running, filmed the board inside. Say, so, okay, this is real. It happened. Here's the actual board. Right. It's real hardware. There's no, there's no chance of any sort of bullshit going on unless this guy has a fucking Hollywood CG budget. There's no way it could have happened. Sure. So I'm sure there's gonna be more bad shit that comes out with this. I'm abs- I'm absolutely certain this isn't the end of for this for Mitchell, Mitchell or other <laughs> MC3K or other sort of people involved with this stuff. So anything else to add besides you, what's what's the classic arcade game? You want to be, go up for the top score in Tapper? No, I, tap? I want I want the the high score in City Connection. In City Connection, no one's interested in playing that, so you can probably get it within a minute. Not true. Doing that. <laughs> Not true. Ian, for Valentine's Day, you're gonna have fun with your your beloved wife bonnie right that's gonna be great oh i'm gonna be lo- alone i'm sorry i mean i'm gonna be very alone but you know what's out there there's stuff like e-harmony that's right to help you find a date to find a potential loved one so if you're trying online dating chances are you run into lazy text messages or people you text and they'll get back there like a week later that's always fun uh conversations that go absolutely nowhere that's always that's always great and random matches that don't turn into dates. It's like, oh, yeah, I like rock climbing. Yeah, well, I like staying home and reading about cats. May not work out all the time. May, maybe, but not all the time. <laughs> and you can't get to know someone by looking at their picture. You can say, oh, they have nice teeth, but, you know, I don't know what's going on elsewhere. So eHarmony helps with all that. They take steps that other dating sites don't in order to find a more compatible match. Built to help you find lasting, meaningful relationships. Not just a shallow hookup. You know, we're getting older. We want more than just, you know, sucking face. I mean, let's, let's, let's be reasonable about it here. They've helped uh, over a million people find the perfect match. Maybe a nice quiet night. Quiet night in. Reading a book. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, you can make out later. Uh, they use years and years of science data and psychological research to send you the right 
match. They do the work for you, so you don't have to do the guessing. And it brings compatible people together. Right now, you guys, because we love you for Valentine's Day, you can get a free month with eHarmony when you sign up for a three-month subscription. So you get that first month free if you do three months. So you enter our code, CUPODCAST, at checkout. So what's great about that is that when you find your beloved this Valentine's uh, Day season, you'll think of Ian and I the entire time. <laughs> you'll thank us and eHarmony. You absolutely will, right? So again, you go to uh, go to eHarmony.com. When you check out, enter the code CUPODCAST, and you'll get a free month with your three-month subscription. And maybe you'll find a, a loved one that will last until the next Valentine's Day. Or beyond. Or be, hopefully beyond. But hey, we'll... we'll Baby steps here, with with with, with the internet dating. We'll we'll see where we are in a year from That's now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ian. We're gonna do something. Try some, something out new in the studio here. Yes. This is good. This is primitive tech, but we're gonna get there eventually. This is the soft relaunch. We have the obscenely expensive CU Podcast Tron 2000, which we can use to view stuff <laughs> on here. So we're gonna. There was a trailer that came out for a movie that is intriguing that they're making it by Sony called Venom. Venom. You want to see what it's about? Let's see what it's about. Let's watch. Okay, Ian, that was the teaser for a movie that was called Venom. I got nothing from that teaser trailer whatsoever. That was... My tweet at the time, Ian, was that it was the most Sony trailer or teaser possible. Yeah, or I so, would agree. Yeah. So, so incredibly Sony, that was. As you bring up a, a, a biscuit on there, I don't know what you're I'm doing. Try, I'm just trying to escape I, this. Well, you could have just kept the venom on instead of the biscuit, but it, we'll leave the biscuit on. Okay, well, here's okay. the biscuit. So, um, <laughs> that was incredibly Sony. It, it didn't really say much of anything about the film. You had a random car crash. Every Sony movie has that. Yep. You have the same sound effects. That beep sound that is in every movie. First of all, every movie, every Sony movie has that beeping sound effect. It's like stock. Yeah. Um... So we, we saw what was like a crash of some sort of a spacecraft, maybe, and that's maybe where some sort of alien creature comes out. And, mm -hmm. and then we had a man lying in a hospital. That man was... Walking on the street. Uh, is that the man who... Uh, it was beefy Tom Hardy in the role. Is that the guy who plays... Uh, Bane? Bane, that's it. Yeah. Mad Max. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Mel Gibson's son or something? I don't know. But anyway, here's the point, Ian. If there was no Marvel thing in front of that to associate with the Marvel comic book thingy I would have no fucking clue what I just watched no like absolutely not if you had, if you had taken away the Venom thing and the Marvel thing I couldn't even told you it was gonna so, be a superhero movie and I see the argument that well guys this is a teaser so it's a tease it didn't tease yeah it didn't do anything no I'm not teased I don't feel emotion at all I'm, I'm not happy sad I'm not indifferent I'm nothing I'm absolutely nothing <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel that's why it's so Sony because there was no reason to put out a teaser if there was no nothing to show what the movie's really about there. Yeah, I, I feel more about I don't know anything in this room. The, all the Sterilite containers with overpriced games in them. I feel emotions over that. Okay, this is here's the deal, Ian. Here's the thing. Yeah, so Sony is doing this. This is not Marvel Studios. This is Sony. Yeah. Homecoming was Marvel in co-production. No, it was Marvel Studios that did Homecoming, with Sony making money off of it. 
This is just Sony saying, okay, we have Venom. We can do a Venom movie if you want. We can do a Spider-Gwen movie. We can do a Silver Sable movie that four people will see. We can do a Black Cat movie. <laughs> this is the things that they planned before. We can do it. Right. We can do a Sinister Six movie that will bomb terribly before the deal happened with, with Marvel Studios that gets Spider-Man back in the fold. But they still said we want to do a Venom movie, and Marvel Studios is like, Mm, <laughs> really? You want to do that? Okay. We can't do anything about it, but, but all right. Okay. Venom is, a, to me, a semi-interesting character. All right? He's a doppelganger character that originally I thought was far more interesting when McFarlane did the original run from 300 to, what was it, 329 or 328. Whatever that was. Sure. 320 something. Because that was before he had the big spiky teeth, before he had all the green slime going all over him. He only had a few appearances. It was 300 and then three, I think 14 and 15. He was still semi-normal then. He was just a twisted, fucked up version of Spider-Man at that point. I have some Spider-Man Venom cred here. I can name you his first appearance, his first cameo. I got. I own the comics, okay? He named his first kiss. First kiss? No, I can't do. That. I don't know who, who Eddie first kissed. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he had a girlfriend living down the way. I, I know the backstory here. I know that you know Eddie Brock was humiliated by Spider Man, who revealed the story to be false, and then obviously the symbiote, who was with Spider Man for for a few years before he left him, wanted to get back at Spider Man as well. So that all made sense. So the interesting thing about Venom is his association to Spider Man. That's what's interesting about Venom and that's really all that's interesting about Venom when Venom is by himself right. he's not that interesting he, he's a fantastic foil. foil yes so doing a movie where they can't probably without Marvel Studios permission or really reference Spider-Man or hook in the origin to Spider-Man is anyone interested in that no this is not 95 anymore right. Venom is not a hot character <laughs> To trot out. <laughs> no, not not without. I'm sorry, 45 year olds out there. No one gives a shit about Venom. Yeah, it just it doesn't. No one. It doesn't make any sense without other supporting, prominent, characters? relevant characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the rumor was they're gonna uh, base it on the um, the mini series where he goes to San Francisco, which I fucking own, and I forget what happens because it's not interesting. When he becomes a good guy, he becomes an anti-hero. When he goes to the West Coast. Mm -hmm. What the hell is that called? It had the red fucking foil cover on it. I own it. It's Maximum some... Carnage? Not, Ma not that piece of shit. Don't, don't get... Know. Your Carnage is fucking garbage. And anyone out there, don't at me. Carnage is garbage. I'll, <laughs> I'll come halfway for Venom. I'm not coming there with Carnage or any other fucking symbiote runoffs. But a lethal protector. Venom lethal protector. Was that the one where he goes to San Francisco? Venom... Lethal Protector. Was that the one I have the foil comic of? Yes, that's the one. I own that comic. I bought those comics. <laughs> I have cred when it comes to this. And yes, he has the green fucking slime saliva. They they made him they made him worse. Originally he didn't have that. Originally he had the weird creepy uh, symbiote smile. Yeah. It was a lot creepier the original McFarlane Venom to me as that. So So that's what it's supposed to be based on, Venom Lethal Protector. Except that I don't know. I, unless they can somehow do a flashback scene showing the Spider-Man stuff that wasn't in Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire as being part of the origin, there's no reason 
for Venom to exist without Spider-Man because the only reason Venom exists is because he was a symbiote with Spider-Man and Peter Parker. That's why he looks like Spider-Man. Yes. How are they going to do this? <laughs> How are they going to explain this one? <laughs> so I'm actually interested in this now. The more I think about it, how are they going to pull this off? Having t- another superhero that acts just like Spider-Man, has the same powers as Spider-Man, without being Spider-Man, or having association with Spider-Man. Is he going to be bitten by a radio- radioactive symbiote spider? Eddie Brock? I don't know, man. I'm just spitting my webs here, Ian. you got to help me out I, I have nothing to say about the Venom movie, other than I'm looking here for some interesting Venom facts. <laughs> and, Is there anything interesting from uh, Venom after 92? Is there anything? Or 93? Well, uh, Venom 36 in 2013 uh, looked like he had a Venom-mobile for a while. <laughs> yep. Like a Spider-mobile in the 70s? In those bad mid-70s yeah. Spider-Man times? Uh... And then let's see. Oh, I don't know. You know, lots of stuff. Just talking about how lots you know, of ins, lots of outs, lots of ins. The sinister spider ham. <laughs> so everything already is a parody of itself and associated with Spider Man. Yeah, I mean it. It, it is. This is bad. Um, By the way, the Wikipedia is wrong. The first appearance was not made Spider Man two fifty two. That was the first appearance in Spider Man comics. It was actually uh, Secret Wars number eight. So that's actually wrong. Um, and then as Venom, if you want me to get technical, it was actually Web of Spider-Man number 18. There's a cameo panel at the end, Ian. Didn't know this. This is how I show my cred. Where two hands push Peter onto a, the uh, subway with the subway car coming. And uh-huh. his spider sense didn't go off. And he was like, what the fuck happened? How was that possible? Remember, uh, Peter slash Spider-Man cannot predict spider sense Venom because of the symbiote relationship. Right. That was a precursor to Venom. That was a... That was an alpha version, but that was actually the first real showing of the symbiote in, in essence there. I got the nerd cred, people. I got it. All Apparently right? in 2009, Bullseye <laughs> launched a dog into Venom's eye, but it did not kill him. All right. All right. So anyway. When you see how relevant Venom is, <laughs> he's done a lot of interesting stuff the past 25 years that we just don't know about. All, All right. right. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Q&A, Q&A time on the CU podcast. All right. Ian asks. <laughs> fucking Ian. At <laughs> Matt DeWolf says, says SEZ, is there any shame in having the complete Nintendo Power publication and 90% of official strategy guides, the retro ones only, in comics, but will never have it fully completed? Well, being your retro gaming therapist, Matt, I can tell you that <laughs> it's really... In your own head, whether or not you feel less of a man and as a retro game collector, if you do not complete your strategy guide collection 100%. I mean, I don't see any inherent value, and this is coming from me, by the way, of having every official strategy guide, the retro ones are only. Because what does that include? Every Brady's guide from the PlayStation 1 era that I think, you're going to go nuts? I think, or just I the think, Nintendo stuff? I think he's just talking the Nintendo oh, okay. strategy guide. Some of those are hard to get. It's hard to really find some of those. Even like Link to the Past doesn't come up too often or the... Uh, the N64 era ones you don't find as often. Right. I probably have I, I probably have 90% of them just finding them at the swap meet, just having them. I'm not trying to put you down, Matt. I'm not trying to kill your dream. So here's 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 the point, Matt. If this doesn't... This why I'm becoming a therapist. If you hold value personally in being able to complete the collection as some sort of goal attained and you think it's going to be cool, go for it. But when you say the word shame, 
that's that's just, there's a connotation to the word shame, and it's a it's a loaded loaded word. You shouldn't have any shame of anything that has to do with retro game collecting because no. it doesn't fucking matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it, it's a hobby. It's fun. Let's, it's cool to get into. It's cool to have. It's cool to show off if you want to say that. But to say I have shame for not completing collection is shameful in and of itself. You shouldn't worry about that. Have fun when it's when you when you feel like it, it, there's something negative by not completing it. It's no longer fun at that point. To my opinion. Matt, and that's something even I had to struggle with at some point. If if having the ninety percent of the stuff is a twelve foot penis, <laughs> and having it all is a thirteen foot penis, you can still fuck some. We're some split stuff. hairs, is what I'm getting at. Can, I mean, are you, you can, really you, that upset that you're missing you, that last foot? You can still have sex with a hippo either way if you really want to. You it's, could. It'll reach in. It'll get in there. Got all the way to those back molars. Giraffe, not so, so sure. You got those legs. You got to contend with. You need a, you need a step stool. Problematic. Like that. But uh. <laughs> But I, I mean, <laughs> I don't. I'm trying to think if I've ever had shame because I hadn't completed something, you know. Or I, it was more of a longing, a desire, like like a like a Fabio '90s uh, romance novel. I mm-hmm. guess it was more one of those things. Now I'm picturing like a bunch of games on a bed with my shirt open halfway, my frilly 1800 shirt. But um, <laughs> I've never felt less of a person for not having a complete uh, collection of games. OCD does kick in though, and it's like, oh, I got to complete it, I got to complete it. But that to me has nothing to do with shame. That's a whole other psychosis. Yeah, that's a with. different thing. So I, I don't know if this is a joke question or not, but um, have you ever felt shame about collecting a record even, or not having something, or not having that NG no PC no. game? Mm-mm. Are you proud I did not say Neo Geo Pocket Color? That's no. actually easier to say than NGPC. NGPC is really easy to say no, if not. you know if you know what you're talking Once about. Once you got past three letters, yeah, I don't want the acronym. Oh, boy, howdy. Once it's scuba, I can say the word. So I mean, scuba. Is there anything else to add on this? Scuba. This is our first Q and A question in Castle Country. Scuba. So that's a reference to Venture Brothers. Anyways, uh, no, nothing else to say. Okay, great. Uh, moving on. Oh, we never really trimmed these down, did we? At Blood Ocean 07. What do you think the Switch online service will consist of, Ian? Not really sure why. I mean, Nintendo's said a few times. A few, okay. So um, it will consist of the <laughs> ability to let people play games online. So uh, basically, you'll no longer be able to play for free. You'll have to pay to do... Um, 20 bucks a year. 20 bucks a year. Very reasonable. Very reasonable. And, uh, you know, and then the virtual console should... No, you're not going to get a virtual console. Um, not at all. Not at all. There's Have never, never going to be a virtual console. I can never rebuy an NES game again? Um, you sure about that, Ian? I'm pretty goddamn certain. That's Are you it, sure? I'm fairly sure. Okay. Uh, maybe someone should ask Chris Kohler if the virtual console's coming soon. I'm sure he'd love that. Um, Whoa, is that some Chris Kohler shade for no, that's not shade. That's a joke. Based well, that, on... what, what would Chris Kohler do? Oh, Chris Kohler was making a bunch of tweets about how everyone still expects the virtual console to oh, come okay. out, even though Man. Nintendo has stated numerous times that what we're going to get with the Switch Online service is sweet, delicious, free games delivered to us. We're going to get a semi-Netflix. Yeah. Not of everything, but of a selection of at least 8 and 16-bit games. Right. And I think those are the two big things that the service is going to offer you. Because really, what what do the the network that you know most of the other um, online services offer? I would like better matchmaking for game playing, um, and I would really love to be able to start friending people without a code. But that may never happen. 
Um, can we get to the point where we can also do real communication? Do you think Nintendo will go backwards on that and get rid of a stupid fucking app? Yeah, to, uh, I would like that to. I mean, can to we get see to that, that point without well. like Skype into my computer while having a TV in front of me? That'd be great. But I, I, I miss some of the simple. I, I would like some of the simple things that you know I take for granted on like a PS4 or you know the Xbox 360 uh, to be incorporated. Like if I see a friend playing a game that I have, I can just you know, and I have the disc in the system or the game on the hard drive. Just click on their icon and hit join session instead of you know trying to hammer my well, way into rooms that they're playing on in Mario Kart 8 or etc. Well, the good news is that since I keep pushing this back, they might be able to put this stuff in or think about it better. Well, I mean, yeah, I they mean, were saying they were going to start doing free trials of it in 20, fall of 2017. So if they're not... putting it that... If, if they're pushing it until September, I'm hoping that they're going to take the time and put a lot of stuff into it. It's um, like there's been a reawakening at Nintendo the yes. past eight months, nine months. Yeah. I think you're right. Reggie went over there. With a fucking base. He, went, he pulled a Negan. <laughs> that, that to me is a storyline. It's going to be in books written later, you know, in the yeah. future. About what, you know, Nintendo, Nintendo Surge of 2017. So, quick answer games, um, online, online connectivity with people that you now have to pay for to play games online, and hopefully just better online infrastructure and convenience when joining games and some better sort of communication. And are we going to have our Mii's hanging out again still, or no, that's done? I don't know. I, I, I still haven't made a me. I mean, I have one, but I, I don't use it. Okay. Love that fucking song. All right. Uh, this is from... No, you got to do this one. All right. So, at Retail Archaeology, would like to ask, what are your thoughts on Classic Game Room and Ben Heck leaving YouTube? And that's really more for you to answer. Okay, well, I'll address Ben Heck first. I'll address Ben Heck, that son of a bitch. No, I Listen, Ben. Uh, ben Heck leaving YouTube is not a shock to me. No, it makes sense to me. He brought it up on the Not So Coven podcast when I interviewed him. Like, wow, it was like nine months ago already. He mentioned that, yeah, this eventually is going to end. As I get a call from San Francisco, maybe it's Venom from the movie. Because um, <laughs> he's there in the legal profession. Anyway, so... Ben Heck almost seems like at this point the YouTube show to me. I'm not, I want to speak for him. It's such a grind doing any sort of YouTube show, but to do it with the regularity of, that he's been doing it for year, like five years now. Has it been five or a little bit more? I can see him wanting to maybe try other things. Yeah, maybe he's working on projects that he doesn't necessarily want to work on, but maybe he knows that the audience are going to like. You know, you know. Me, I, I think like uh, the the two cases in mind. Um, I think again, I don't think he was dragged to do the dragster Atari video. Right, that was his choice, but maybe that wasn't a first choice. Maybe he realized this gets the hits. I'm just I'm not saying I'm not speaking for him, but I think when you get to that point where there really stops to be an intersection between what do I enjoy and the content I produce. You start to take a step back. Yeah. And plus, I don't think Ben makes a fucking living doing YouTube videos. You know, I don't think he makes a full living doing it. So for he the, should. In that aspect, maybe it does make sense to take a step back and maybe work on other stuff I want to do that's a grind and it's a weekly thing. You know, uh, the Element 14, they, they, they produce those videos. Mm -hmm. He does. So they have a, a financial stake as, as well, probably, in some aspect. 
So maybe Ben's like, all right, well, maybe the community is doing the videos. Maybe I can, maybe it's not my show as much anymore. I don't know. I'm just running these. I'm just spitballing here. But either sure. way, you do something for a long time, and maybe you just want to move on and try something else. Well, and, and, and I mean, I, I was thinking, once again, can't put words in his mouth, but maybe it's just taking away time from projects he really wants to do. Or and he did an interview explain it, by the way. Yeah. I didn't, so there's an interview with him. I know, I know. That released on the channel, so but, um, he'll explain it better than us. Um, You know, I you don't always want to be doing projects on camera all the time. He maybe, I mean, maybe you just want to do stuff for yourself yeah. for once in a while. It, to, to me, it's like they, the myth busters, busters guy. Eventually they moved on. Yeah. They were on forever. They were popular. But sometimes people's life, their lives change and you feel, you feel uh, tied up by what you're currently doing. Yeah. You know, being able to make a career or by the way, he's ending the show end of June. Yeah. Or even make, make side money doing something that you love sometimes takes away from your ability to do that thing that you love on your own time. And suddenly you don't get the same, you don't get the same result from it once you've turned it into a job. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people behind it. It's a very well produced show. So there's money that goes into this Ben Heck show. There's money that goes into it. And the views, just looking at the, the views um, of these videos, some do very well. Some don't, and for for a channel this size, you you need some sort of corporate backing of some. I'm not saying Elvin Fourteen is like a big corporation, but you need some backing to get this shit done. Yeah. Uh, in, this, in this in this case, it's the hacking community, but these views can't support the amount of production going into them alone. So that's why I say when I say Ben Heck's not making a living off this, he ain't making a living off of this, and I can say that with confidence. Looking at the number of views, I know enough to know that that's not happening. Uh, alone, he has other stuff going on. He has to, uh, looking at all this stuff. They're, they are posting videos about Raspberry Pi project hacks. They get twenty thousand views. There's other, there's other people doing stuff on the channel now, so there has been a transition been mm. going on anyway. But obviously, people love Ben. Well, yeah, he's he's a, he's the personality. He's, he's a, a great guy. guy. He's pretty cool, you know. So some with him do do great. N sixty four portable. It's alive. Uh, 562,000 views. But other stuff does nothing because it's a smaller audience. The hacking community versus people that like the retro game stuff and want to watch him tear apart the NES Classic. If That's just the way it works. you know. So with that said, I don't know if, if Ben is, would eventually come back and do videos on, on another channel or do a Patreon. The whole point is this. He probably is just feeling burnt out and wants to just step away either way. Yeah. And then you don't know. So when, you're, when you work on a project forever... <clears throat> video game years. Yeah. In a certain skybook. When you work on for stuff for so long, it's hard to think about what's next until you really separate yourself and see, okay, now my head's clear. I can at least divorce myself from that time. Now maybe I can come back to it slowly but surely or do something else. And he's only human. So I wish Ben the best of luck, whatever. Maybe I'll have him as a guest again on, on the podcast. Maybe he'll call into the CU podcast and talk to us. You know, and we can we can get him going on that. But Here's the Ben. I'm going to raise my Nintendo glass stein. I never got water. Cheers, Ben. Ian, the kitchen's over there, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot. All right. What's the next question here? Oh, no, we're not done yet. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. classic game room. Mark, my, my, well, my pal Mark. Also a guest on the Nutscom podcast way back. Wow. A year ago. Mark is deciding that he wants to do a a longer form show on Amazon. This is his words to me. I think I'm allowed to relate them. He's going to do a longer, like not feature length, but you know, like a 
hour long, 45 minute long show that will feature, I guess, a string of reviews and consoles and put it together for the Amazon Prime audience. And these will not be, as far as I know, on YouTube. So you hate to use the word abandon, but he's shifting his focus to Amazon Prime. So Mark has always been uh, looking at what's happening coming down the pike with with the uh, ad revenue changes of was that 2013 when Andrew Joe was whining. Um, it was about 2000, late 2013. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what's, what happens, he, he really ha- he's, I don't, I'm not going to say right or wrong, but he's been abreast of what revenue is coming in, what streams are coming in, how can I make sure I can keep doing oh, this. sure. And he's been a little bit leery of YouTube for a while. For a long time. Yeah. With the, so he has Patreon changes and things of that nature. So I'm not shocked he's making this decision because when you look at the CPMs, Amazon Prime is a lot harder than YouTube. But... Amazon Prime is very specific content. It's they want episodic content. They want highly produced content. They don't want vloggers. They don't want people doing let's plays. Something like the video game years, videogameyears.com, redirects to it. That's perfect for Amazon Prime. So I wish Mark the best of luck in that venture. It's a grind doing that sort of content, highly produced content, 45 minute videos. I don't know how often he can put them out. If he wants to do a week, every two weeks, that's gonna be a grind though. That's, yeah. that's a lot harder than the content he's put out on his YouTube channel. A lot harder. Because um, if people are going to be going to Amazon Prime, they, they have an expectation, I think, of quality saying, you know, production values have to be there. I'm not saying he can't get it done, but I'm saying it has to be consistent. Yeah, not, not, it's not a judgment on quality of content, but quality of production, I think, yes. is expected because people open it up like Netflix and, you know, or, or Hulu or anything else, and they, they yeah. do expect... They find it by accident. <clears throat> yeah, it has to be their standards of everything else on Amazon Prime sitting next to it, right? Or else people may not return to it because you have people that already follow your work that some will follow over, but Amazon Prime is really for that sea of people that are new to are new to it, new to whatever Amazon's bringing to them. Video game years got found by a lot of people that had no idea the show existed when it got to Amazon Prime. Oh. My, uh, there are people that I think I think I think I heard from someone that even Rue got stopped on the street by someone said, "Hey, I saw you on Amazon Prime." People have said yeah, that yeah. to me before, and uh, Vani's ex, who, had, who hadn't watched the show before, uh, yeah, and Vani's ex actually was uh, talking about how he was at work and uh, he does like animation and stuff like that, and they were all working and like they throw up on they there's like a big TV that they usually they throw, like, up. They throw documentaries up on, you know during the work day, like just to have like background noise. And they decided that they were going to put up some video game stuff. And he's like, he's like, so I'm working and I'm working. And all of a sudden I hear this voice. I know that motherfucker. And he looks up and it's you and I on the screen. So yeah, I mean it, it Amazon can be great if you can produce it or grind through it. I mean, it would almost make sense for him to make a season's worth of content and then put it out. I think that's, if I had to give Mark advice, public advice, which he's not asking for, I think that's probably the way you have to go. Uh, because if, if video gaming years comes back, we and if especially if we didn't raise the money to produce it the way we should, it would have to go on Amazon Prime to make any sort of money back because it doesn't make money on YouTube. We would have to produce at least, I'd say, five episodes, if not all nine of the 90s, and put on at the same time so you get people to binge all of them at one time. So mm-hmm. that's the only way you can make money is that because they're not coming back a, a, a month from now and watching the next one. No. Wa- they want to watch it now. I want my Mad Men fixed now. Yeah. So I, I think that's what's going on there. 
So the other the other thing about Amazon Prime, for those of you who don't know, is that there is a there you has to be approved. Um, your series has to be approved, but also you have to have closed captioning done on every video. Oh, that's right. So you're, there's an upfront cost because YouTube does do some automatically. But for video game years, uh, John and I had to pay out the, the front costs. They're not huge, but they're going to add up. If you're doing a video even every week, they're going to add up and you got to make that money back. So there's that too. It, plus, it's just another pain in the ass to do that. You got to upload a, a, cl- a closed captions uh, file as well. So there you have it. I wish both Ben and Mark best of luck. I'm sure I'll speak with both of them. Again, I wish I still want to be able to see Mark at a convention. Mark, come out to a convention in Pennsylvania that me and Eno will probably be at. I mean, come on, buddy. Do you're, it. You're killing me, Mark. Don't, don't make me, don't, don't make a fucking maniac out of me, Mark. All right. <laughs> this is from at Timmy Johnson. Walmart starting to phase out older games. Wii U, Wii, 360, PS3, and more. They are selling some for three cents. How will this affect collectors and the market? Uh, honestly, I don't think it's it's going to. Um, at least from what I've seen of like the Wii and the Wii U stuff um, that they're selling, and I'm sure it's probably the same for the 360 and PS3 stuff. Um, they're not getting rid of anything for super low prices that aren't games that like I don't have a bazillion of at the store. Basically, I, the games that I'm seeing go for this low are games that I have a ton of at the store, and. <clears throat> The difference between paying basically nothing and paying two, one, three dollars for them, they're basically, at this point, they're giving away overstock that is worthless, is essentially what they are doing. Or they're slashing in the system so they could clear it to, I don't know what they do. I don't think they're probably probably going to toss some of this stuff. Yeah, most likely, or they're gonna they're gonna wholesale it to someone this, to you know clear it out. There's no analogy here, and I'm not I'm, was, not, I'm not I'm not saying that uh, Tim here is making this, but I don't want people to j- make this analogy that it's anything like say what Funko Land did at the end of the NES, where you can no, get games for pennies. Because this is just new stock that's <clears throat> older, right? No one knew anything about games back then, etc. This is just. I, like one of the ones, I, one of the pictures I saw was someone with a stack of, you know, like six Kirby's Epic Yarns sealed. Why do you have that many? Why do you need them? That game doesn't sell anywhere. You're not going to be able to sell them to make a profit, really. You know, some for what three dollars on eBay, make a dollar each on them. Like, ten, what ten, yeah, fifteen dollars in ten years. Congratulations, that was a worthwhile investment. The only retro gaming comparison I would say is what Toys R Us did in the late '90s, early 2000s, where you still had. Earthbounds potentially in the store or copies of Star Tropics and Zoda's Revenge for like three, four dollars brand new. Like that was the last shit they had of that, that you can get brand new. And, and NES Advantages they still had laying around. They and they were like three dollars. That's where I got my new one somewhere in one of these fucking boxes. I have to open still because I'm a maniac and own way too many games. It's around there somewhere. Sure. It's around there. But the whole point is, it, is that that's the only comparison. So some of these games just running through a list here and Slick Deals had a link to some of these. Uh, Metroid Other M, uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn, you have Sin and Punishment 2, Wario Land Shake It. Mm, Sin and Punishment 2 is actually pretty good for that price. Yeah, something's Wii Party. Um, that's something I would play for if it was cheap. On the Wii U, you have FIFA 13, Madden 13, Yoshi's Woolly World, and the Pink Yarn Yoshi Amiibo Bundle. Really? That's interesting because the Amiibos, you think that would still command something. And no, it doesn't. It really <laughs> You can get it. Uh, okay, you can still get it. It's cheaper than what it was, but uh, yeah, 
So I think I think it's going to be your miles may vary based upon what store you're at mm-hmm. versus overall ordering it online. I think some of these deals are have to be, to be what you, what does your store have? What do they want to clear out? Like if your store happens to still have some Wii game sitting there, potentially in some weird section that they didn't put yeah, in the back. Yeah, so I'll yet. take it back. I mean, Sin and Punishment 2 doesn't go for a ton, but I mean, that would be a great game to get new for three cents. I mean, why not? And you have uh, PS3 games, uh, Zone of the Enders HD collection. Oh, Pearl. Um, you have <laughs> Tiger Woods PGA Golf Tour 12, the Masters, Little League World Series, Madden NFL 12. Yeah, this is just stuff they're, they want to throw out. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. A five-year-old NHL game, six-year-old NHL game, you're, you're not selling them anywhere at this point. You're not selling them at Luna. Uh, one PlayStation Vita game, Madden NFL 13. Ooh, yeah. Metal Gear Solid 5 is on here because I made a <clears throat> jillion of those and some 360 games like Persona 4 Arena, Zone Avengers HD. Collection, ah, oh, Pearl, Castlevania, Lords of Shadow 2, etc., etc. So, go to your local, uh, go to your local, uh, you know, Walmart. See what you can find. If you wanted to play them, great. You're not going to be able to invest in these and probably make anything. Yeah, this is. I mean, some of those games. I mean, Zone of Vendors, three cents. Yeah. Uh, Sin and Punishment, three cents. Go for it. But this is not going to have an impact in any long term. Don't don't hustle don't hustle backwards buying new old stock of games that are are still existing for a reason. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't don't do their work for them. All right, this is from uh, that ass is my boss, who should be a, almost a CU podcast Q and A Hall of Famer at this point. Uh, net co- correspondent. He can correspondent. be. He can be um, correspondent. He he can man the uh, bureau wherever he. Uh... I almost feel like yeah, if we eventually. <clears throat> Uh, do the show on Twitch or whatever. They'll be like the, they'll have like a sticker by their name, a special star yeah. or something. <laughs> As retro games become more expensive, do you think more collectors are turning to the homebrew market for new original content? And do you think there is much overlap between retro and homebrew collectors, or are they essentially two different markets? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's a good question, but I, I honestly think it's. It I don't simple? think it's. I don't think it's two markets. I do. Well, I'll let you go first. Well, not necessarily. I feel like, how would I put this? Retro gamers are not always going to be interested in homebrew. But I feel like people who are into homebrew are already going to have some interest in retro gaming. Well, sure, because that's the console they're playing the homebrew on. Yeah. yeah um, so that's where the overlap is. Um, as retro games become more expensive, do I think more collectors are turning to homebrew? Not necessarily, just because physical releases of homebrew can be expensive as well. Um, and you have to look at whether or not, you know, the person who's created, you know, X, Y, or Z homebrew has, you know, permitted for it to be flashed to carts to be played for free or things like that. I think homebrew is getting more popular and more interesting, though, as people are no longer finding, um, you know, as many gems. At some point, out of, you know, 750-plus NES games, there's, uh, you know, the hidden gem videos have to stop, guys. I mean, we've, 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 dug, up all the, we've dug up all the jewels. So now it's interesting to see... My book ruined it. it it's interesting to see new new material being made for these systems. So I think there is some excitement that way to see new games for these old systems. But, but I, there's I don't... so many games that most people haven't played that well, it's or, or, or anomalies when it comes to the retro gamer. Sort of, typically, the retro gamer hasn't played more than 60 or 70 NES games at most. And there's a lot of shit that they can still go out and play via emulator or a flash cart. So I think when you look at 
the time you have versus what's out there, you're never going to play every retro game. You're never going to play every every good retro game that ever exists. And a lot of the homebrews, or I should say a lot, some of the homebrew games don't stack up to even the, the average games from 30, 40 years ago. They just don't. So I, I can't see if you're looking for actual gameplay value, go rediscover games that you haven't played or play some game that you've never picked up that exists. And a lot of them are cheap if you want the real cartridge. It goes back to there's a lot of NES games that cost three dollars that are good. Yeah, it's true. I mean, in homebrew, a lot of it is kind of about a, a community as well. Yes, you know, that, you want to see what other people are, are. You know, there's a celebration. Oh, I made this game. You know, and I'm making this, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fun in that aspect of it. So, I mean, in that way, a lot of times it's it is about the game, but it's also about just swapping tricks and stuff with other people that you're talking to. But no, I don't. I don't think the price of retro games becoming expensive or, or whatever has anything to do with people turning towards no, homebrew. No, because if you want to play the game, you'll emulate it. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I think I think I mean, homebrew is... There's a reason you have all these shitty Facebook ads popping up with all-in-one little fucking retro devices that have ROMs on them illegally. I mean, people buy them. Yeah. It goes back to the, goes back to the carts that got shut down by Nintendo in the, you know, in the 90s with their all-in-one out for view with all the eight, 18 different versions of Contra on it. I mean, people always want to play retro games in some fashion or another, they don't necessarily care how they do it. Yeah. You know, but homebrew, yeah, the homebrew is important. Obviously it's great with the NES maker. It'll be easier. You know, <laughs> we'll do, we'll do that little shout out for, for Joe there. But yeah, I do my personal opinion. I think they are two totally different markets in, in my opinion, from what I've seen, you have certain people that want to collect every single homebrew game or get a bunch of them. And the majority don't give a shit or just like, yeah, they're cool. Oh but, no, I agree with you yeah. in that regards. I thought, okay. Oh, we do agree. Yeah. We agree, Ian. We agree. We didn't do a Patreon Q&A. We'll, we'll do it next time. But we have a Patreon, Ian. It's patreon.com slash podcast. We're going to be updating that bad boy soon. So we'll have an announcement before the next podcast and by the next podcast for stuff that's coming on. But this was a this was an entertaining, educational Castle Country CU podcast. Um, you know, why don't you subscribe to us on YouTube or iTunes, Stitcher, Stitcher Google Play, wherever you listen to us, Podbean. You know, and uh, yeah, we'll be back here in a couple of weeks. This will grow slowly but surely, and uh, I will put this together. And uh, you know, and we'll figure out how better to use the mics. But no, they're they're pretty good. How we cannot cover up your face with using the the, the booms here, Ian? We don't want to do that. Oh, I can't. You can't. Do, oh no! You can't. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna install custom arms that are higher. Yeah. Put some bo- just put some boxes here. Yeah. <laughs> I need I need higher up armrests. If you want to, uh, if you want to uh, help help us sponsor, advertise with us, uh, shoot an email to see you podcast at thepunkeffect.com. and uh, you know we can we can help you out, advertise your product brand and or YouTube channel if you so desire. Wheel deal, whiz bang, yeah. So for Ian Country, I'm Pat Ferguson. That, that's not how I wanted the first Castle Country podcast to end, but I guess that's how it's going to end. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I hope you find someone special because I am not. Get laid.